welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 60. John, how are you doing tonight? Dude, I am so happy to be back at this again. I'm I'm feeling great, man. How are you doing? Trying to, trying to get yourself back loosened yes. up and... Yes, definitely trying to get back into the flow of things. School is closing out, so all my big days of school is done. Feeling better and getting the house stuff taken care of as well, and that's what has set us back over... The last what three weeks it's been since we recorded so uh yeah i do apologize out there all the fans but uh after Life next happens week, yeah yes for sure um after Gosh, next week though <laughs> i gotta look at the positives out of everything that's been happening uh we will be back on a more normal schedule after next week because all the wrestling stuff will be here in vegas and i know you are going to a lot of shows i'm going to a lot of shows in oh our time. yeah We'll be pet, uh, backed up with all that stuff, but then after that, we will be catching up on all the fun stuff that we will be seeing uh, over Memorial Day weekend and all the wrestling that's happening out here in Vegas next weekend. But I am glad to be back at it, and there's a lot to talk about since uh, we last recorded. Oh, okay, so thank you, everyone, for your patience. We had messages asking how everything was. We had people... Wishing good old B there the best on everything, trying to make sure he gets back on his feet. Uh, thank you to all those people who did reach out. It was really nice to hear all those kind messages. It, it really does give us a little kick in the ass when we're getting ready to, you know, we're ready to record. We're like, okay, people are waiting to listen. And and that's kind of a good feeling. So thanks for, uh, thanks for being here with us. This is kind of nice. It's like friends sitting down again <laughs> and just kind of discussing all this shit we have not had a chance to talk about you are right dude okay twitter's crazy um okay everywhere is crazy where, where do you want to <laughs> fuck um god damn look at you see now you're just like staying quiet for a minute but where do you want to start or you want me to start here because we've got a lot going on well i think we could uh kind of probably start about the not the elephant in the room no more but what was an elephant until uh brett addressed it but with all the Drama going on with uh, GCW, Brett, and former employee. Not, I can't even say employees because it was just. Nope. Nope. Just just contractors. Yeah. So just people who he's worked with before and they've worked with him. Yeah. So uh, we last couple of days, we heard KG release a podcast and explaining everything of why he hasn't been on as of late. Uh, Alex Cologne took to Twitter and pretty much laid out why we haven't been uh, hearing or seeing much of him on the GCW side other than his hiatus that he took, but uh, we could see that's being that hiatus is done and he will be working with other companies and he explained why. And since then, we also got Brett to do a GCW uh, Patreon podcast and uh, explain his side and go in depth on his side of the story. And yeah, a lot of. A lot of stuff out there for the GCW fans to take in and try to decipher what's true, what's not. It has been a uh, journey. Holy shit. Okay. Um, where do I want to begin on this? So you just got your basic barbs being thrown back and forth between Rob Black and XPW. And you have Brett Lauderdale on his side at GCW. And they exchange a lot. Um, what I am finding out, because I do watch... I'm, I'm like... I'm, I am, but I'm not the typical GCW follower slash fan. You know, like uh -huh. I, I listen to Jim Cornette, you know, I'll listen to some of these old guys bitch and complain um, partially because a lot of their footing and a lot of their better years were my first couple years in wrestling. So for me, like, it's cool to hear Arn Anderson talk about wrestling because he knows his shit. So, um, so I watch 
the XPW shows. I listen to the podcast that uh, Rob Black does. And I try my best to enjoy the product that they're putting on. Do I agree with everything? No, I don't think there should be anything out there that someone can just subscribe to and agree 100% with. It's really hard to find. So for me, I'm trying to watch wrestling. And when it comes to um, XPW side, I'm watching it because there's a level of rawness that I'm not really seeing in many other places. It's like they built a, um, they build a building, but it's like it's swaying back and forth. And it's kind of exciting to see what exactly is going to happen with this thing. And um, on the GCW side, I watch that for every reason that people have heard hundreds of hours over. So I try to look at both sides because I wouldn't want anyone upset at me for trying to step in the middle. I just wanted to kind of talk about it. But I mean, my understanding is that I think both men, if they, if they chose to really truly get along and I meant from a business perspective, my personal read is that, that isn't going to happen for a while. And my personal read is that Rob Black really does want to have some type of a business like competition, a la the WCW WWF kind of days. Like he even mentioned it on one of his newer podcasts about jumping on that tank and going over to WCW. And you know, where is that? Okay. So, so I believe I get that. I also see there's a mix of contempt or hatred there that um, I haven't listened long enough to know the full story and I haven't dug into it partially because it's like, well, it's not really much of my business, but then it gets out into the public and we're GCW um, podcasters. And this is a very exciting time to be in the GCW atmosphere. And to me, to, to be to be polite to both sides, because I'm trying to do both, to be polite to both sides, it's like, I see like a Star Wars situation. Don't kill me, dude. This is like a, a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader situation. Like, you need the light and the dark for it to really be a good story and a good movie. So I believe that if they both decided to really get it together one day, that would be fantastic, and it would probably do well. But there's a lot in between them. There's a lot of fan stuff in between them. There's social and political things that are in between people. I'm really there to watch wrestling. So, I mean, my, my opinion on it, I kind of do the same thing like I would with my kid. I'm like, okay, either side, one side or the other. Like, if you're guilty in any situation, same thing. I'm like, look, you own up to it. You acknowledge the situation. You explain your reaction at the time and, and why then you kind of just hope that people understand you've matured and you have to understand the upset that it caused. So you have to also explain to people you're older and you're smarter now, and that won't happen again. So there were so many different directions. I heard so much shit being slung in a hundred different ways online. And I don't know any of these people personally. So in this situation, what I'm really hoping for is that to some ability, as capable as it can, I hope that everyone out there finds their success in the way that they forget the troubles that they had in their past so that everyone can hopefully move forward and for it to produce a better product. For right now, I'm not lying. It's kind of exciting to be a fan right now because you just go online and, and there's stuff going back and forth. And it seems like Brett's the one going, look, I have a family. I can't really get engaged and involved. And 
you're a dad, I'm a dad. We kind of get that. There are some things you step back from and step away from a little bit when that family situation arises. So, you know, I get that too. Um, I try to listen to both sides because it's interesting to hear some of the stories. I think that both have points at certain on certain things. Some have stronger arguments and points. Some have stronger argument points on both sides. I, I love GCW and that's what I do. So this is why we talk about this here. But I also wanted to try to be as fair as possible because fans, I feel on both sides are overlooking some faults that both sides have. So we just have to be honest with ourselves. And I, uh, I don't know. I tried to make a morality thing. Maybe I went to the morality part before I got into the details, but I didn't know how much in the way of details to get into. It's just, you know, black hates white or red hates blue. It's like, there's this night and day kind of thing going on right now. So, you know, it's a light and dark thing. I don't, I don't know, because like I said, I, I like both of these companies and people may be against me on this too, but, uh, you know, and I don't know how to look at, but like, I'm a, I'm a guy who I Christian guy. So I believe in second chances, but I also believe that there are some people that it's probably not best for them to get a second chance in the arena that they're in, given it's a stage and an art form and there's an amount of trust that has to go on there. So I, I filled a lot of time. I just, you could have went and just pissed and gotten a drink and, uh, Wow. I, I, I don't know. I see the list of people who have grievances, but I haven't seen many of those people move on to something successful enough to make them happy to where they don't have to look at this past situation. Also, I don't want to say that somebody I don't know, as in Brett Lauderdale, is someone who is perfect or blameless at all because it's, it's personal shit. I don't know any better. Um, all I'm saying is this from my perspective. I'm a small business owner. I know that in the process of dealing with people, if you deal with a hundred, you're going to get some that don't like you or don't like what you do on any given weekend. You can see 40 to 50 wrestlers sometimes from GCW programming. I mean, two shows, 40, 50 wrestlers sometimes isn't that difficult to 30, 40 easy. So to have one or two upset here and there is kind of normal for the reasons they're upset is personal. So I can't really take a side on that too much. But yeah, I'm at a point where I just hope everyone gets to hit a goal that's so big they don't care about the small things anymore. And I really hope that if something was wrong, that that gets that gets righted properly. There's a lot of bridges there. I don't know what side they were burnt or if both sides, where if some of those people would repair and come together, we could have something phenomenal. What would you do with, say, oh, God, see, I can't get into that too much. I just, uh but I mean, no shit. Let's see what happens when everything's repaired and we have a 4-4-0 run-in. What if they just go in there and RSP just smashes the fuck out of Slamovic? Just boom, done. She's out. Cold. I mean, cold. And th that would be it. Guess what, boys? We were gone for a while, but the new era has just begun. And right there is merch, 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 merch. And they're back in uh, GCW money. But again, this is all pipe dream shit. But my pipe dream is everybody gets along. And if they don't get along, I just hope they find enough success, like winning the lottery or, you know, getting that contract that they've always wanted to where their problems aren't focused on things in the past like that. They should be looking forward and focusing on the future. And so, yeah, I want to see each one of them succeed. I, I really, there's a lot of talent in that pool out there that are upset. And I'm like, oh, poor KG. I, I just have to say it because 
I hope we aren't part of poor guy having his problems because we were saying, hey, he felt like the voice of GCW. Yeah. And he kind of mentioned that. And I'm like, oh, I hope, you know, I hope. I don't want to say that. I really hope we didn't do anything to hurt him because honestly, I thought it was a very clear and a very kind statement. I thought the team of Prezak and Kjack, uh, Kjack and, <laughs> and KG was a very was a very good team because you had the straight man and you had the color commentator. So it was just, I just, I always feel bad if I say something bad sometimes, you know, like I can sit here and torch torch and that's, that's terrible. Cause I don't need that in my DMS. I've never really had a bad DM. Thank goodness. Isn't that crazy? After all, all the, the time on Twitter, never, you've had, you never got one. Yeah. Oh, even my <laughs> heel work is kind of light, you know? So, so, I mean, yeah, you see that we're not going to see Alex for a while, which is sad. I say for a while because it's it's just going to be a while. I really wrestling. think that never say never. it's wrestling, man. You never say never. This is an art. Money speaks. You'd be surprised. We yeah, were going to be looking that, at a Las Vegas run-in. We were going to have a Las Vegas run-in with him. I felt my heart sunk when I was told that. Yeah. When I saw that on Twitter. Yep. I'm like, no. When I heard that, too, I was like, oh. fuck, I see him back. Dude, he's from Ohio. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I would have popped like crazy. I would have brought the red and white streamers because we would have found out ahead of time somehow. I would have had streamers ready. Oh, my gosh. So so that's okay, though. But yeah, these aren't employees. These are contracted workers. So this is a gentleman who says, I will give you X amount of money for an X amount of work. They get the money after they've completed the work. That's really the end of it. Like I said, I'm a small business owner. Now, because of that, you do try to keep some type of uh, a relationship and things can get muddy really quick, especially with merch or especially with ticket sales or things can get muddy because when you're a smaller company, having everything in a lockbox and intact is not always easy. And there's a lot of moving parts, even in a small business. Each one is important in one way or another. And when a, a, um, a business owner says nice things of an employee or of a contractor, gives them work quite a bit, makes them feel good about what they do, is happy with what they do. And then one day he's like, look, I just, I don't think I need this flavor on the show. It's time for me to get a new flavor on the show. Some people can get upset with that because he had so many nice things to say about me. He had this, yeah. well, yes, he absolutely did. He said, every bit of work I paid you for was absolutely wonderful, thank you. And if I need you again, absolutely, I know where to get you at. But I also understand you'd have some people where they go, yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm not on there one day. Um, Brett kind of answered that, I think, in an indirect way at an earlier part of the conversation um, with, I think, Stephen, where he said that, you know, you kind of have to make new or make room for new people to come in. That's how we get our Rina Yamashtas. That's how we get some of the Sawyer wreck. That's how we I get these go. folks. Yep. Right. So it's really sad, but people leave GCW, it seems, in two different ways. It's like they're leaving because they're out and doing something else or they're moving up. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a vertical thing. So, um, I don't know. There's quite a few of these people on that list. There's a list out there that was put out by a performer that these people are upset. I get that and respect that. I, again, if you're doing business 30, 40, 50 fucking workers a weekend, one or two are going to be upset at times. And sometimes it's going to be your fault. Sometimes it's going to be person's having a bad situation at home and that 20 50 100 that you two are arguing over is their food so you know tensions run high um wow i don't know 
I'll I'll pass that ball back to you for a second because yeah, I feel like it's just going to be a me talking about this. There's a lot. There's so much to unpack, and it's a really deep uh, conversation. So the I I'm more talking about from my what I'm about to talk about. Not really the Rob Black stuff because like I said, I think you actually kind of nailed a lot of the stuff I would have said anyway about the Rob Black. But you also know more about that whole like not know about the whole situation, but you know more about like the history of like Rob Black and that from yeah yeah being, like i don't know xpw too much other than like their reboot now and i've checked out a couple of their shows whenever i wanted to see some crazy fucking shit happening because they do some crazy death match crazy shit crazy yeah. shit so um i don't know too much either about that or even rob black or xpw so my whole thing i kind of want to focus on for me my thing was with kg alex and um now i guess the ktb stuff that came out yesterday too as well um and mine's kind of going to be like way shorter just just because I don't really have much to say on it because I as you said we don't know all the details we don't know them personally we don't know blah 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 whatever they're complaining about but from what I've seen and what I've heard on from everybody's side it's the talent is absolutely right if they feel disrespected to feel that way and to kind of say something and maybe ask for and like let's say an Alex Clones uh thing more money or more opportunities in shows other than just the deathmatch territories. Cause that's what it kind of sounded like he was upset for was like, Hey, like how come you never brought me to LA or to any of these Vegas things? Like, and Brett's kind of like, they're not deathmatch like friendly. So I'm not going to bring a deathmatch wrestler over for that reason. And I get why they, they might be upset with that stuff. But I think ultimately, as you said, at the end of the day is the business. And if you're one of these workers that always say, on podcast and tweet out and stuff like that, that it's a business. It's a business. People got to do what's best for themselves. I think it's absolutely fine for Brett to work with people. Then uh, whenever he decides not to, as we said, they're independent contractors. He's absolutely in the right to say no more. And it's the talent gets disrespected. I absolutely understand. And I get that point too. But then now it's like, now they could go and work somewhere else or do business somewhere else. And then, Hey, maybe that, as you said, that, bridge doesn't get burned and you could come back and then hey you've earned or not saying alex earned like alex is a little different situation in my opinion just because i think he has earned a lot of the stuff he's kind of asked for and he's been through everything that kind of uh that brett has asked for him and i could see him being very hurt and disrespected with the money situation all that but um i just think at the end of the day brett could do what he wants to do it's his business and he's going to do what's best as you said for his new family now and um, what he thinks is best for business with the new fight TV, all these new uh, places are going to, as you said, the new talent we're seeing now. Um, and the talent can, or can feel that disrespect, but I don't think uh, fighting the hand that kind of feeds you or kind of helped kind of make you. And yes, Alex did a lot to help make Brett money and stuff like that. Like when he says, I'm the one who bled buckets, like, yes, but that's also just something you knew you signed up for and it's part of your job. And you apps like, can feel hurt, but I don't think coming after Brett for doing a business decision after you say the workers should always look out for themselves. I don't think it's kind of appropriate to sit there and not expect the same from promoters and from yourself even too, to understand it. So um, KG was another one too. I, I kind of did feel, uh, I think some, some details too were missed there on, uh, I heard like, I heard someone say like, and then he kind of reiterated, like maybe he flew, he was flying himself out to some of these shows and not Brett bringing them out. And he just shows up and Brett pays him. Like that's a little kind of messed up too. And I don't know the whole details and stuff, but 
I could understand KG feeling her and not being used as you said, he was used all the time and mm-hmm. the voices, but we did see it and we've kind of have seen it kind of stick where they want to rotate who is doing the commentary in and out of all these shows. We see different commentary teams and different mixes and matches. So I think maybe Brett just wanted to go a new, uh, a new place there. And I know that there were some fans out there complaining about KG. We weren't one of them. We were big fans of KG. Um, I still would absolutely love to have him back because I do think he adds a lot of uh, excitement and importance to a lot of these shows just based off how he reacts and stuff like that. Um, It just sucks though. Like they just all can't work together, but they all are right to feel how they want to. I just wish that nobody would have went public with it. I just kind of wish it would have just stayed behind doors and either hash it out or just accept what the new reality is and move on because I, th- I think it kind of puts us like in bad positions, like just as fans of like, if we say one thing, one set of fans are going to hate us for that. If we say another thing, the other set of fans are going to hate us. So it's no win win. But I also, like I said, at the end of the day, I think it's a business and everyone's got to do what's best for them. Brett's doing what's best for him. And unfortunately now Alex Cologne, KG, uh, uh, work at other companies at least at least they kind of found some footing and are able to still get working and stuff like that that's nice to, I, I i'm very glad to see that because like i am an alex cologne fan i am a kg fan um ktb8 felt like disrespected too as the first gcw title holder i don't know about this some of the reasons he was saying of why uh the disrespect but i'm not gonna sit there and say he's wrong for feeling that but i i just don't i kind of agree with promoting or saying one thing and then when it comes down to your situation and that same thing that you've been saying is a good thing, it's going against you. And then you complain about it. I just don't think that's right, but not my decision, not my call. And I just, I just said, I would like one day for everybody to all fix all their problems and do some crazy super shows or crazy angles within each other's companies and let these talent work in and out and in and out. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff that could be done with wrestling, as you said, but, uh, I don't think that's going to happen either at the moment, but who knows down the line, uh, bridges maybe be mended and, uh, everybody has a happy ending. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I think it would be, uh, it would be really fun to see those two get together and just do something agreed upon for, a, I don't know, man, that could get really, we could have a Jeff Jarrett situation <laughs> where he comes in and fucks the whole thing up and just bounces, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at it as, if Rob Black is listening, because I have a feeling that's how these things uh, <laughs> these things work, is some people here. No, um, I'm trying to be respectful to the fact that he has a business to run. He's trying to do it to the best of his ability. He has some things about himself that's shark-like that other people don't like. He's got an alpha mentality to him. That That's what I'm kind of seeing. It's from his own words that I can remember He's one of those way he's one of those people that if he wants to take revenge on someone, he doesn't just take revenge. He takes revenge in a way that is multitudes beyond so that the person doesn't just feel bad, but they're not only feeling bad, but something or everything around them is also destroyed because they shouldn't have messed with him from the beginning. That's that's kind of so. So this is a strong arm kind of person. Again, he's someone who's been in and out of prison. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that and he's been around some people. He's he's been in his porn industry which is, you know, part of where he gets his money from. I don't look down or what I don't whatever. Um 
I feel like I'm going to talk myself into, but I mean, I have respect for each and every gentleman. I would not be happy to find out someone would be upset with me because I have respect for people, always have respect for people. I may disagree with their opinions, but that doesn't mean the person as a whole is someone I should disagree with or say that they're bad. I don't know these people personally. I look at the situation as an independent business owner. I see some of the arguments from Rob for his stuff in one way as credible. And there's quite a few things that I disagree with. And I can say the same thing for Brett on his side. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking as everyone listening. I have a lot of respect for them. It's really damn sad that a lot of talent can't work with each other. But this is expected. If it's not going to be from them, I have a feeling it would be from someone else. And let me tell you what it's like to be a business owner in your first five years, 10 years. It's hell. You only learn by mistakes. So if there are mistakes or if there, which trust me, there are and will be, as any business will have, then it's going to be, um, I have a feeling almost all of this will be erased in time. Very little you know, stands the test of time. Maybe some Bret Hart feuds stand the test of time, but you know, a lot of these guys put it aside after a while and sometimes you just need to have your own success. And then all of a sudden you don't care about that kid in sixth grade that called you a name. You know, that's how small these things get over time. You're almost 40, you know, you kind of know this, like eighth grade isn't so important anymore. So that bully from eighth grade don't mean shit to you anymore. Yeah. So those hard feelings, those things that kept you up at night, they don't matter anymore. You've matured. You've grown past it. Times have changed. You've had a chance to work, make money, succeed, make your own brand without the help of that company you didn't want. And I hope that people find that success because if they do, then um, they'll maybe look at the time that they had as a benefit. And I really hope that's what people do is they take whatever they're given and make the most of it. There we go. That's good. <laughs> Serious, you know, like I'm really, I really am. I'm trying to maintain positivity. We want to make sure we at least touch on it. I don't want to make anybody upset or piss them off. And I don't want to disrespect people about a situation I don't know shit about personally. Yeah. And I'm not saying like anyone's in the right or anyone's in the wrong. I think they all have their own reasons, which is perfectly fine and yeah. absolutely justifiable where how they feel, what they feel or what they have, what they did, what they did. They're absolutely within their rights too. Um, and like I yeah, like I said, I'm not gonna get on touch of how they how people are friendly with each other or no longer friends with each other. That's something they can handle. But I just think like everybody is entitled to their feelings, and I I don't know. I just feel I, I just hope everybody could uh as you said not grow up, but like we could kind of get past all this and do some good business. But also uh I know some. Some things have been said out there and being done. It's that I don't, I kind of don't like. I don't like when they kind of get personal and do stuff like just stick to the facts and no one else needs to know the personal details and all that stuff. But once you start calling stuff out, then Probably, <laughs> every, yeah, yeah, everything's going to be out there. Um, yeah, on, on Rob's side, I believe he's more like, let's fucking go. Let's do it. Like I said, it's, it's more of an alpha male stepping with the big boots and leaving a big imprint in the mud kind of thing that's just what it is and i think what we have on brett's side is brett is in a situation where i believe yeah yeah he's a touch younger but i think he has a couple kids now and he's taking pictures of his dog and it seems like he's more in that phase of his life and um people before that getting married phase they they have a great time sometimes especially if you're running with the circus at gcw <laughs> you know i mean right yeah, for anybody who's not a historian, wrestling was originally a circus thing. 
<laughs> I, you know, I'm not calling anything a circus anywhere, but um, when GCW comes to town, I always say the circus comes to town. So, and then when we go to LA, I always say I travel with the circus. <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of cool. So, so yeah, I mean, it's more like, boy, this situation stinks for everyone. I hope that they find their peace in it. And all in all, if everyone finds a good, happy middle road and peace, the fans may very well benefit this. And that would be profitable for GCW. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we did that. Uh, huh? Yeah, we covered it. We like I said. I, okay. Yeah. So positivity time. Positivity time. This is the part where I want to say where if I'm negative about something or if I'm on something. And um, a last couple episodes, yeah, probably two episodes ago or so, I was really upset about the Patreon situation. This was at this point over a month ago, five weeks, I think, roughly. Yeah. Um, I wasn't happy with the fact that a lot of what um, was on the Patreon site was not being given to us, yet we were paying full price and yada, yada, yada. And I went down the list of things that we were supposed to get that we either didn't, didn't have access. Yeah. So long story short, I'm here to say, like I always like to say, I, my information is old. I'm wrong now. Um, the GCW Patreon page in the last three to four weeks has been working their ass off to make sure that they catch up with all the hardworking people that pay their money over to GCW. They're, you know, the hardcore fans like us. Um, he did do a live YouTube show, which was really cool. Brett did one, and uh, that's the first one I think we've had in a long time. Yeah. Um, there was also a greater frequency of the official GCW podcasts from Brett Lauderdale. Now it's not a month anymore. It's not three. It's like every week or every two weeks now, he really did jump that up. He took that by the balls. I really do like that situation. Again, if, um, if it was my words that kind of, sorry if they were a little harsh, but this is why I'm talking now because people can change. They can, you've seen this how, how many times be where I've said some shit and then I have to come back a week, a month later and go, Hey, things have changed. I'm yeah. Gone. Oh, I've I done that. Plenty of the talent we talked yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how it goes sometimes. But, um, there's been new and exclusive merch just to the Patreon members or before anybody else gets them. They're still on the GCW merch page right now. Exclusive, um, exclusive content for patrons if they want to get on there. Also the monthly packages are being caught up. Thank goodness. Cause for me, that's kind of what I really like to pay for. It's those, it's those packages that come through. So I just saw a picture that the third package in under two weeks or right about two. Weeks, I must say, yeah, it's been three and like, oh uh, yeah, two, three weeks. It's been catching up pretty fast. It's about damn time. Honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I'm the same I love way. It. I, I love the packages. I kind of do miss uh, on someone on the Patreon, uh, the mailbag asked for uh, the postcards because I do collect them. I got them all my ones in right here. And uh, they did announce that they would be sending out those as well. So that'd be good. But I am happy with the improvements and the catching up of Patreon as well. Um, I That's making me very happy too because like I said, I'm, I, I'm actually wearing one of the GCW shirts now, the one that they took uh, from the carousel room. Um, Oh, that's another thing we could t discuss too. But I got, I got the, I got lucky. I got the pink one, the exclusive, online only pink one. Uh huh. I took a picture and put on, dude. This my camera doesn't take it right, and this camera isn't showing, dude. The pink on black. I'm not a pink on black guy. This pink on black looks so damn good because it's got like a touch of purple in it. Oh really? 
I don't know. I'm a colors guy. This 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 color hit. So I'm like, okay, cool. The hit man. Because yeah, there's just certain colors I'm not good with, like orange and yellows and shit. I'm that's not my complexion. I'm more like fall colors, greens, browns, grays, <laughs> the boring colors. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy yeah, with so. the stuff because like you said, uh, we got more podcasts. Uh, we got the video one that they're testing out. That might be a new thing. Um, I know that's coming up for us here soon too. Uh, over the summer mm-hmm. here. Um. Oh, summer. Did we did we hear that right now? Huh? Yes. Yeah, summer, summer's a good time. I think it's a good time to get this rolling because right, right now people shouldn't be missing this. This is pretty cool. Just yes. getting here bullshit. And I got my flags and we got our stuff. You got your flag, everything up behind you, too. It's like, yeah, I actually uh, that time. I don't, I don't know if I told I think I told you, though, I did reach out to one of the uh, graphic designers for GCW. They do like the posters sometimes and um, the media releases and stuff like that. And uh they gave me a pretty good price on some graphics that I would like for the YouTube and for our podcast. So um, once yes. once payday here happens and after wrestling weekend, I will be reaching out, getting that stuff done. And then hopefully we'll be going live here on uh, YouTube, Twitch and other places uh, in the very, very near future. But it was kind of cool seeing. Uh, Start raising hell. Right. I was like, I know. Well, once I saw GCW doing uh, the YouTube, I'm like, oh, shit, they're already doing their test. I'm like, I want to get ours going before theirs. But uh it was kind no, of nice thinking uh, yeah. of their them doing a video one as well. Actually, it's just I think it would be fun. I might set up my camera a little different. I might do a couple small things, but I don't know. I might get a hat because <laughs> it looks like my head is creating glare on the fucking camera. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Patreon thing is yeah, just way better. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, everyone involved yes. with getting things caught up and the ship is being righted, and it's being righted very quick. So, um. I know they were talking about podcasts. I'm not going to lie. This fucking podcast is available. Yes. We would be more than happy to help out in any way we can at any time. Anybody who listens, please let them know. We would love to go over there. We put on exclusive content. We could do some fun stuff. Not a problem. I'll even keep my clothes on this time. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm going to show off the Patreon shirts, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show off my GCW tattoo I got. <laughs> I don't even Yeah, see that uneasy laughter? I that. Say, wait, where? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, there's there's always that little... Okay, okay. So that was that was it for my pre-show, kind of. I just wanted to talk about those two things. You know, we're back at it. Uh, yes. Shit's going crazy online. The world's falling apart, you know. But Patreon's coming back up, and... And that's great news for all of us because I'm sure every single listener we have are pretty much hardcore fans. Yeah. And like I said, like we're not picking sides here on any of this stuff. We're just talking what we know about the facts and giving our own opinions as well. But uh, there's a lot of there was a lot of crazy stuff over the last few days to sit there and kind of digest and talk about and try to weave in what's true, what's not, or what's is out there and what isn't out there because we hear a lot of stuff uh, from other a lot of outside individuals as well that. Uh, claim to know a lot of the details about all these incidents yeah it's a little weird out there <laughs> but, but that's, that's okay because we have this is episode 60 we have into, into the, light. the light yes uh this is coming from center stage in atlanta georgia it does feel weird uh i try to even try to remember where it was from because it's been a while since uh i saw this episode and yeah sorry sorry y'all right we, we are <laughs> we'll, playing we'll re- catch up <laughs> we'll we'll let you know how this one went down if you if you uh if you forgot something we'll catch you up don't worry <laughs> yes um yeah i think we only got 
two more to catch up. Oh, we got this weekend's and Vegas. Okay, never mind. We got some catch. So I mean, summer. worst case scenario, we can do like two small and kind of put them together. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Just kind of recap, just to get caught up. Like because like once that. they hit Las Vegas, man, we're that, those are always better shows for us too because we were fucking there. Like how we were describing the barbed wire getting yep. fucking put together, and I'm sitting there fucking handing it to Brett <laughs> and shit. Scarlet's the only one with fucking gloves out there. Ratty's the only one out there that's a performer that's actually well, a wrestling performer that's actually, you know, doing anything. That was craziness. So, yeah, yeah I'm sure we're, we're going to have, have some a lot some to talk fucking, about after yeah, uh, yeah. after the Vegas weekend. I think for sure we're going to definitely have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, I think. Good. Oh, uh, nah, nah. I was trying to I was trying to think about the items I'll be bringing to the show. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll make some. I'll see if maybe Steph wants to make some cookies or I'll make some cotton candy or something and we'll just have some fun. Nice. So center stage, eh? Yes. And I know you have a lot of interesting history about uh, (laughs) a lot. Well, it looks like a lot here by the time you say it. It is. It is. (laughs) No, it is. Okay. So I'm going to give you all just a little bit of a story time. Um, I was raised in a time where, like I said, it was about 84 is when I started, but what I remember about center stage for all these years was WCW Saturday night. They shot that show every Saturday night. Everyone knew the time 6 5 PM Eastern. Even when Jim Crockett promotions ran Ric Flair's retirement match, it started at what time? 6 5. They always did that. That was just the way it was. I still have no clear explanation as to why, but I'm just saying that on Saturday nights, it felt special for me at little John at nine, 10 years old, little wolf. He, uh, I used to get a nap like 12, one o'clock. And it was the only nap I looked forward to because my dad said, if I could get like a nap in like an hour, two hours in, he'd let me stay up on Saturday night and watch wrestling. So here comes NWA. We had JCP at the same time. I don't know how many of you remember, but they also had glow. And there was also Benny Hill, like, yeah, dude, Benny Hill. Dude, when you're like a seven to ten year old kid, Benny Hill is like, whoa. That's the especially in the eighties, like, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the old man is like they make the music and they yeah. go chasing around the girls, okay. the girls. Yeah, that stuff, man. So, so like the the deep, you know, I felt like an adult. I felt like a real adult. Benny Hill came on. You're like the chicks are running around, and then here comes like Glow Wrestling, and you're like, wow. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, WCW Saturday night was a big deal. So the reason why I wanted to just go back and talk about this was because there's a couple historical nuggets in here about even the WWF days that um, someone who may be around our age or someone who just likes wrestling history. There's a lot of us nerds out there. This would be something maybe that uh, you might enjoy. So here we go. WCW Saturday night was originally produced by Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1971. This was on channel WCTG. It was originally hosted by the great Gordon Soley. In 1976, the station renamed itself to WTBS. This was out of Atlanta. So it it began uh, broadcasting its signal to the satellite. So thus it became a quote unquote superstation. So a lot of us growing up remember and still know WTBS was a superstation. You always get the Atlanta Braves game. You get wrestling every Saturday night. So that was where it was at. So as a result, though, Georgia Championship Wrestling was the first NWA affiliate to have its program broadcast nationally. So there's your little nugget right there. If anyone ever asks this basically pissed off a lot of regional promoters 
But the promoter of Georgia Championship Wrestling, uh, Jim Barnett, claimed to only use Georgia-based wrestlers. Now, later on, Rowdy Rowdy Piper said that Burnett, that Barnett wanted to expand nationally, but was afraid of crossing the borders of various organized crime syndicates that worked within the business at the time. Yes, that is also true. There was a lot of organized crime in business. There was also, even from the beginning, tons of betting in wrestling. A lot of the ways the wrestlers would make money back in the circus days was they would place bets in the crowd, okay? So what they would also do, though, is they would have a couple people in the crowd undercover that would kind of help sway the bets one way or another. Here's the fun part. If the bets went too far one way, they'd have the other guy win so the guys could pocket the money and split it at the end of the night. It was a whole swindle from in the crowd all the way to the wrestling ring. It was like rope-a-dope. It was like, hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. And they hit you from the bottom. So, yeah, organized crime was in this at one point. And, you know, there's actually a story out there. I think it was Cornette that said that um, there was talk between two managers at one time or two promoters at one time. They were going to kill Jim, uh, uh, Vince McMahon. Did you know that? I think I've heard something like that on um, yeah, Dark Side. Yeah, he was on the thing. toilet. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I think it was Cornette. Don't, don't get me uh, too close on that one. But yeah, there were crime syndicates and Georgia Championship was basically going to be taking money out of their pockets if they started dipping into, say, the Carolinas or they started dipping into Mid-South. Real fast. So I see it's Georgia Championship Wrestling, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. GCW. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that funny? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so uh did you see i put georgia and then cw that's why i was asking. got tired of writing I, championship I kept, wrestling i kept hearing you say championship wrestling but i'm like is that that has to be what the cw was but i wanted yeah. to double check first before i uh, jump to the gcw conclusion there. Well, my mind if i see gcw i'm gonna automatically think georgia. gcw not georgia yeah yeah, yeah. So, okay so in uh, 1982 now we're kind of catching up here georgia championship wrestling changed its name to world championship wrestling This was a name that Barnett used when the company was in Australia. Owner Ted Turner, the channel, owner Ted Turner requested the name change so the company wouldn't look so regional. At this point, Georgia Championship Wrestling was already running in neutral territories like Ohio and Michigan. So they were already expanding at this point, but they were just respecting the regional territories of, say, like the Carolinas, whatnot. So uh, the Florida Territory. So 1984. Here we go. WWF. This is considered Black Saturday. So Vince McMahon, back in the early days, bought a majority stake in Georgia territory. And he also purchased its WTBS time slot for an amount of $750,000 in 1984. So do the math there. That's, That's a chunk of money. July 14th, 1984, viewers turned in to see Georgia Championship wrestlers under the WCW name and instead got wwf programming this night was known as black saturday on that day when people tuned in they saw freddie miller the announcer he was the only member of the original georgia championship wrestling on air cast who didn't either quit in protest or was replaced georgia championship wrestling was more wrestling heavy where the wwf was more cartoon-like and story driven so instead of producing original programming It just aired a recap show. Over a thousand complaints overnight flooded the studio asking what the hell happened to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Turner was pissed off about the whole situation and he made a company called 
championship wrestling from Georgia. <laughs> so CWG and he ran it in the morning, the day of WWF programming to piss off Vince McMahon specifically. Then he asked Bill Watts to come in and he gave Mid-South Wrestling a one hour time slot on Sunday morning. So what was going on was basically he sandwiched WWF on the one side and on the other. So this was just crazy. Vince was fucking pissed off. He thought the WWF would be the only provider of wrestling on WTBS. And Turner said that Vince was supposed to provide original WWF content and didn't. All he did was have basically a replay show. So for the WWF on WTBS, the ratings went downhill very fast. Vince sold his time slot to Jim Crockett Promotions, JCP, for $1 million in March of 1985. That is correct. This experiment went about a year, and that was the end of it. Um, you know how WWE slash WWF was? They don't give up on anything too quick. I mean, they try to run something to the ground, like XFL. They ran that thing to the ground before they gave up on it. But... Um, JCP's World Championship Wrestling first aired then on April 6, 1985. Oh, there's my dogs. Hi, Lucy. Hey, Lucy and Luna. So, there, see, they answered back. <laughs> I love I love my bitches. I love them. So, the funny thing was that Jim Crockett Promotions that just bought the company was out of North Carolina. They ran shows in Virginia and the Carolinas. He was also an NWA affiliate. So adding Georgia to Jim Crockett Promotions territory seemed natural, and it was also beneficial financially because his wrestlers would now have national TV exposure, like Ric Flair. So, see, this is where I'm saying now you're starting to catch on where I first saw Ric Flair. And yeah. on. This is where it came from. So the merger pushed the higher-rated Mid-South Wrestling from the channel completely, and because of this, Mid-South eventually sold to Crockett in 87. You were going to say something? No. I had a feeling you were going to. Okay, okay. Um, Jim Crockett promotion kept the WCW name. Crockett had two hours of original programming and Turner's ended up buying Jim Crockett promotions in 88 and retained the WCW name for its company. Also fast forward a little bit. Here we go. This is going to be from center stage, April 4th, 1992 different from, uh, <laughs> I wrote down sublime April 26, 1992. What's that? You're not a Sublime fan. I only know the two songs. It's 26, 1992. There was a riot on the streets. Tell oh, me, where were you? I don't know that one. Uh-huh. Participating in some anarchy. Okay. April 4th, 1992 was the first episode of WCW Saturday Night, held at center stage. Jim Ross and Michael Hayes were on commentary. So if you, uh, you want to go back and dig, you'll see a nice young Jim Ross on there. It was named WCW Saturday Night, and it hailed from center stage in Atlanta, Georgia. Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura hosted that first show. You can watch it on the Peacock. Bischoff is in the first 30 seconds, very young looking. JR is in there right after him. The first show, listen to this, featured Flying Brian Pillman, Ravishing Rick Rude, Shane Douglas, Cactus Jack and Diamond Dallas Page, The Fabulous Freebirds, Medusa, Sting, Vader, and stunning Steve Austin with manager Paul E. Dangerously. Dusty Rhodes would refer to this show as the mothership. Now, just a little side note on where Tony Schiavone and WCW first came together. Tony Schiavone took over JR's position in 1993 when Jim was hired by the WWF. From there forward, that's where Tony's um, position became permanent. So WCW Monday Nitro that we all remember and love started in September 95. 
Saturday night was pre pre taped and it basically became of secondary importance. You know, this show on center stage used to be the fucking show. It was center stage. Thunder then came out January 99 or in 98 and eventually ratings died for Saturday night. It was canceled. The last episode was August 19th, 2000, seven months before WCW was bought out by the WWF. So there you go, man. Um, it was, I thought it was worth the write up because just a little history, you know, a little wrestling history, man. I remember watching, yeah, center stage, like WCW as a kid all the time. Like, but uh, mm-hmm. okay, here's where I might be dumb here. Did the ring like used to turn in a circle or am I thinking okay. of Universal Studios? Oh my God. Now there's a million dollar question. Oh, I couldn't okay. give you the answer see, to. I know I, exactly what you're talking about. I can even see the colors. Yeah. Blue and the yellow. Ring in the, yeah. Yeah. And I remember it like yeah. on a circle platform and I thought it used to like. Uh-huh. And the fucker'd spin. It looked like it'd spin. Maybe, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, obviously I don't think it's spinning while the wrestlers are in there, but who, I, I don't oh, know. That'd it's be been great. a long ass time, but. <laughs> the Kenny Omega it. spinning wrestling. Right. That'd be fantastic. No, I shouldn't say that about him. Um, I'm guessing that's all better with him, right? His vertigo was so bad. I used to have Vertigo, dude. That shit sucks. Oh, see, I, I, I didn't even stomach. know it went away. Like, I never knew Vertigo went away. Like, I thought it would just always um, be there, but you just have to so control with, it. So, with head injuries, yeah, see, I don't know much about it, but I'm sure that's head injuries. And it got so bad, they said he wanted to make a spinning uh, ring. Yeah. And Khan refused. So, <laughs> I'm thinking that, uh, I mean, it had to go away. It has to. Yeah. I you can't let someone carry you in the air, you know ass overhead and he's dizzy yeah see, i, I wonder if like the first time he noticed that or maybe not the first time but like the one time once when he said he had vertigo the one spot i went right to was when he dropped nido right on his head on the outside or like they were gonna kenny was on the outside nido was on the inside and looked like they were gonna do a superplex spot and like kenny had nido already like in that headlock but like kind of slipped off the ring and drove nido's head right into the metal ring pole with like no protection at all that's where i was like oh like I wonder if that's where the vertigo came from, but I thought from when I, like I should know about more about this, but I think like vertigo like doesn't really ever go away. It's just kind of like you just have to kind of learn how to deal with it. But there's also Ooh. like little triggers for it, whether it really? be like dietary or like what's going on like uh, around you and stuff like that. So the young bucks will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Super kicks and circles. I've I, always liked know, center stage. I like them. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, center stage. Okay, so looking at the original videos, because, okay, go on to Peacock. You can actually check all these out. You just look up WCW Saturday Night. It's on there. I just went to the first one, and I'm like, wow. This As a fan, like, I'm naming off, like, Vader and Ravishing Rick Rude and Medusa. I'm like, all those were names, yeah. Fuck. Fuck. And what you see is, it at that time, they had a collection of old and new going on there, because you had stunning Steve Austin, you know, and wow. Flying Brian Pillman was obviously still a young guy at that time for sure. And see, I used so, to be a big Brian Pillman fan when he teamed with, I think it was Z Man. I think it was like Thomas Zink or Tom Zink or something like that. Uh, Z Man. Wow. Yeah, I remember. I, that's how, that's where I go with Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman used to be one of my favorites back uh, growing up watching WCW. And yeah, like I said, I used to watch a lot of the shows from Center Stage Saturday nights. Um, yeah. I think isn't that cool? I think Saturday nights. I, I don't. Th- I'm not sure it was that center stage. I'd be crazy if it was, but I don't think it was. What uh, uh, the memories for me is Ron Simmons uh, beating Vader and becoming the, the first African American championship uh, cha- uh, champion holder, world t- champion holder. I thought that was a that was one of the memories that always stuck out because I remember watching uh, Ron Simmons That's back awesome. then in the in the baby blue <laughs> way back when. 
But yeah, I have a, I have a lot of good memories from Center Stage. So that's why when they first announced they were going to Center Stage uh, last year, I think it was, or maybe the year prior, I was actually really excited to see what how it would kind of look like and stuff. And it does look different, but I've always liked, like, even when GCW goes there, I, I enjoy it. It just, my one knock is I don't think they're getting as many fans there. And I, I'll talk about that over the show of uh, kind of like the where they've been running shows. But Center Stage is always one I do kind of get a little bit more excited for uh, uh, to see as well, just because it's such a historical venue. And the Atlanta area or that territory uh, down south always seems to bring a lot of great names that we never seen before. That's where we saw Teriyaki, mm-hmm. Bobby Flacco, and a lot of these other yeah. people as well. So yeah. Uh, Hunter yes. Drake's down there. Well, yep. uh, you know, we've seen Hunter over in Alabama too. Yeah. I don't know where Hunter's from, but it seems like he's running that Southern circuit. Yeah. But I, I've always enjoyed center stage. So that was nice to hear all those things. I didn't know 95% of what you said. <laughs> Up until <laughs> well, I saw I mean, WCW, I'm like, okay, there we go. That's my time. Yeah. Yeah. Five of like, some of it was for the older guys, but yeah. if, you know, if you were like into the history portion, it's like, oh, that's how that Atlanta station became what it was. And that's the original, like 6.05 PM that everybody's all, you know, so. And I'd never heard of Black yeah. Saturday either. So that yeah. was a good Oh, was that a fucking problem? That was a huge problem. So they got to a point where the post office was like, we need you to come down and get your mail. We don't want to keep sending carriers out with bundles because there was so much and they realized it was a problem really quick and then i didn't i didn't dig into this but basically uh what happened was turner was like um we got to do something about this because we said that we were going to get original programming he got a hold of vince vince is like yeah we're going to get original programming basically what it was was a talk show that would show replays oh that was like the heenan and gorilla monsoon at the at the desk and they would be okay so yeah. you would see you would see stuff like that and and Turner's like this isn't fucking wrestling like this is not yeah this is not what the people want cuz yeah. at some point Turner was still you know a man of the people I've always kind of noticed that about him he's rich as shit but he's kind of seemed to care about people at least a little bit and I I don't I don't know about politics or social <laughs> I'm just saying that it it every time someone was trying to listen he seemed like he was the type to even though he was headstrong on the way he wanted to do things, he'd at least entertain someone's words. So, yeah, but yeah, he must've been like, fuck this. And that's why he sandwiched Vince. He basically took wrestling and gave it to the fans on both sides and was like, you can judge that shit in the middle if you want to, but it ain't staying on TV. Well, he scrambled (laughs) to get wrestling back on because he was losing money. He was losing sponsorships. People were not watching. Then it turned into like a soft boycott because they didn't have the internet. Yeah. So, you know, in schools and other places, they go to school the next, uh, like next Monday and they're like, Hey, did you see the Saturday show? And they were like, yeah, what the fuck was that? And then little Johnny talks to the next kid next to him. And just like that, it's wildfire. Um, but by Monday, yeah, those, the letters were going to start pouring in. Oh, that was a lot of, uh, cool, good information. And like I said, I, I was, I learned a lot there cause I had no idea. Fucking with the Southerners entertainment, bro. <laughs> Well, that will lead us into our <laughs> the our first show. One. right, our first matchup of the evening. It's all right. It's been a while. We had a lot to talk about. Yeah, uh, I will timestamp this one just to make sure that uh, <laughs> fans don't get too uh, Woo. like stuck in and think we don't ever go over the review here. But we are going to review, and the first match is a eight-person tag match. 
as the team of Jimmy Lloyd, Mr. Danger, Teriyaki, and Yoya go against the team of Bobby Flacco, Caleb Conley, Donnie Primetime, and Hunter Drake. And like I said already, nice to see Teriyaki and Bobby Flacco back where we first originally discovered them in Atlanta. Um, and the one new name for me was Mr. Danger. I think I've seen uh, Mr. Danger a couple times on other... I forgot which uh, promotion it was, but I could be completely thinking of the wrong person as well. But the name sounded very familiar. And when I saw him do the first couple moves, it was like, yeah, I think that's the same person. But uh, hmm. Mr. Danger was... Uh, Kind of this, the one that stood out to me in this match. Uh, I was very impressed with the high flying there. And um, yeah, I'm just glad to see Teriyaki and Donnie Janela back. I'm sorry. I, went, I had to took some different notes. I'm trying to get back to the first <laughs> notes here. And oh, yeah. Um, I know you're going to talk about the moves, but uh, the, the first move, I, the first note I have on there here was like they did a crazy uh, double Spanish fly out into the crowd from the top. That was, I love when, that's why I kind of like the center stage. When they do go to that area, they seem to be going right into the fans, and, um, away from the cage. Or well, they're still in the cage area, but like it's all right there by the fans. So even though it looks like the the fans are all blocked off, this action always seems to get up in there somehow, some way. And that's one thing I do like about when they wrestle at this venue. And this venue does let them kind of get uh, crazy as well. Uh, what was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so I'll open it up here with show comes on. All eight men are in the ring. Everyone still got their names announced. So we got to know who everyone was. I'm with you on Mr. Danger. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if I've seen him before. So I just went ahead with what I did though. I wrote down that he was very agile, long legs as he matures and his body fills out more. He'll be in a good position to further his career. I think he has a lot of good building blocks going forward. And um, I think he's got a bright future. I don't see anything there that shows that he's going to be anything other than fantastic to watch hunter drake <laughs> you're looking at my notes there uh, i'm not gonna lie bro needs to eat a sandwich and lift some weights yeah and i'm fat and i need to lose weight you know but that's okay i've come to the same realization string bean i'd like to see him lose a little weight because that would maybe up the impact of what he's doing he looks very small and skinny out there yes, and go to breakfast with uh jordan oliver there Get yeah big needs to go to going. big breakfast bro and i don't want to be i'm just it's just i've watched him over and over and i'm like who's that little skinny guy and it's always Hunter Drake every time. So, um, yeah, I hope he I hope he does something with that because, again, same thing. His moveset are good. He seems to entertain the fans. Um, get real with uh, get real with that body. Start getting out there, kicking some ass, and I think he'll be just fine also. People like him. I like him. I just want the boy to eat a sandwich. Look at all that dead time. <laughs> Sorry, okay, so teriyaki. Teriyaki, um, of course, loved by the fans, loved by us. Bobby Flacco and him work really well together. I'm kind. I kind of would be interested in a singles match between those two. I was even thinking yeah, I about the team as a tag team, do a tag team with oh. those two as well. Because I think I think they're so not similar, but so familiar with each other and the chemistry as we uh, seen whenever they do interact in like the scramble matches. I think those two could be a, a fun young tag team just to try out and see what they look like. I, uh, how they look together because I think they would look pretty good working together as a team. As a team, I'd call him Bobby Yaki. Bobby I think Yaki. that's a good way to go. Yeah, Bobby Yaki. Not Terry Flacco. Terry Flacco. <laughs> Isn't he already? Like oh, that's respect. Terry Cruz. Yeah, like yeah well, it sounds like Terry Cruz to me, the Terry Flacco. <laughs> so, um, 
This is where I was watching this, and I'm going to say it. I don't want to touch on it because I don't know about time, but could we get a fucking cruiserweight tournament? I mean, if our scrambles are off the chain every fucking show, what if we get, I don't know, the 12 to the 16 of the best fucking cruiserweights and just let them put on a three-hour fucking festival? Because I keep seeing this all the time. We have some of the best cruiserweights out there, and we do feature them. I think it would be nice to give them one night. Just one night to shine would be so fucking fit. Could you imagine a tournament with all the people we have now? Oh. And see, that's where I kind of go. Like, I think that's where the Jacob kind of was. Because, like, when we talk about, like, the quote-unquote oh, yeah. non-deathmatch wrestlers and the tournament, like, we were talking about we wanted the belts for uh, one of those those style of wrestlers. And kind of all I, – I don't know about weight size or whatever, but I know those were kind of uh, more – leaning towards the cruiserweight than any of the hardcore extreme deathmatch uh wrestling styles. So I think the J Cup was nice, but I actually would like to see like a like a maybe not a like uh uh what's it called? Oh my god, Lucha Libre tournament would be fun. Like it's similar Ooh. cruiserweights, but you know, not not limited it to quote unquote weight, but slow loaded up with all the luchas that we get and all these scrambles like mm. you said, that'd be a nice fun tournament to see uh how it plays out over the course of a tournament. That shit would be crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. So I wanted to just mention it because it was kind of crazy, but there was a spot where Yoya didn't wrap his legs around Flacco correctly. And the only thing that saved the move and Yoya was Bobby's strength. You could see it at a spot where he literally has him like almost by the knees just to keep him holding up at one point. But uh, my favorite spot was Bobby. He started up the bike, driving around the ring. Everybody's getting a big boot. Fans love what Bobby did, but they still don't like his team, which I think that's par for the course. That was going to happen tonight. Mr. Danger with a beautiful spot flying over the ring post on top of everyone on the floor below. That was our first GCW chant from the crowd. There was another spot where everyone was outside the ring. They were up into the higher areas of the crowd space. Mr. Danger and Teriyaki are both standing on a ledge. There's about 15 to 20 foot up in the air, higher than where they were on the floor. Hunter Drake boosted up by his teammates so he could jump up to both men on the ledge. He basically gets boosted, jumps up, he grabs both men and executes a perfect Spanish fly onto everyone below. That, That was a huge, that was the spot in this match. Yeah, that's why I so, said that was like my first note that I wrote as well. Then uh, one other cool move I thought I saw Mister Danger do. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I, I don't know if you erased it before. I kind of quickly saw it um, when he had I forgot who was uh, draped on like the top ropes, like the person just hanging on the stomach top rope, and he goes to like the corner of the turnbuckle and he does like a whisper in the wind <laughs> into the person oh. hanging from the. It's kind of like a. Uh, Oh my god, I can't work. See, I don't talk for three months. I don't know how to say any of these wrestlers. <laughs> um, yeah, that, whatever. The, the wrestler is dangling over the uh, the ropes uh, on the top rope, and he did a pretty cool whisper in the wind from one turnbuckle onto that opponent. I thought that was uh, pretty cool because I've never seen like that kind of style of whisper in the wind uh, on someone on yeah. the top rope before. Now, that's not that splash on Caleb Conley, is it? That was something different? Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay, okay. So I'll kind of go to the ending here. Terry hit that top rope DDT, followed by a flipping foot stomp off the top rope. Conley was covered for three. So our winner here was Jimmy Lloyd, Mr. Danger, Teriyaki, and Yoya. So this is where things got a little crazy. Paro shows up unexpectedly and completely beats the shit out of Teriyaki and Mr. Danger. 
Yo-Yo was caught by the throat in mid fucking air. I've never seen that before in almost 40 years of fucking wrestling. Then he picks up Jimmy and nails him with his own package pile driver. Perro then grabs a chain and starts to choke Jimmy Lloyd and basically ties the chains around his neck like a noose. Some wrestlers and a few referees basically come out to help with the situation. Eventually, Perro is then chased off, would be the best way to put it. But um, remember a long time ago, we were like, oh, yeah, Perro, can't wait. Hope we see him more. He's doing it, man. He's doing it. He is a force to be reckoned with. And I was kind of not shocked because they kind of did tease something during the collective of Mason's kind of next feud going to be with either at the collective it was teasing towards uh, Jimmy Lloyd. And then uh, a couple shows prior that we got a little bit of the Joey Janela, or maybe that's coming up here. I, I guess we're kind of far behind here, but I um, <laughs> uh, see. Yeah. Peril come out with, as we kind of were talking about, it'd be fun to see like the cruiserweights. I kind of saw like, Oh, Peril's coming out with all these scramble wrestlers and he's just towering over everybody. Um, and how he kind of, Went right after Jimmy Lloyd. I thought that was cool. And I, I, I've been saying, I know the last couple of episodes, I want to see Jimmy Lloyd in a more prominent role and get in the story. And I can't complain because, yeah, he's in the story now with Mason and uh, Pero. I think now maybe that's what's kind of happening is Pero's going to kind of handle all Joey's little friends and Mason's going to focus all his intention on Joey maybe coming up and Jimmy versus Pero would be fun. And I, I know Pero could, does get violent, so it'd be a cool way to oh. tell like Joey maybe – uh, instead of David beating Goliath, we got little Jimmy beating Goliath over here uh, with some of the death matches, uh, uh, death match weapons and stuff like that to kind of dig deep. And that's what he had to do to beat Pero. But I'm happy to see Pero involved in the story kind of by himself and Jimmy Lloyd. And I thought this was interesting way to have uh, Pero come in and start this uh, attack with uh, all the people in that scramble match because he just tossed them all out. I just, I think, built up his aura of a monster uh, heading into this show. Okay, so Jimmy was a kid star. I think Jimmy needs to take maybe Yoya and a couple others and have Jimmy and the kids do a stable. Just Jimmy and the kids. And you know what? You want to see him win. Sometimes they might. Probably they won't. But you know what? They're entertaining and you want to cheer for him. It's like that feel good kind of group. Jimmy and the kids. I mean, he does work with the kids it's too. It's stupid, but it's funny. No, like he does work a lot, and he's always told like he always loves giving the younger, uh, the younger talents, like all the almost every one of these competitors, a chance. Because uh, at the what at the collective, he had Jimmy Lloyd's Generation F, and that's kind of what the whole point of that show was was celebrating and showcasing talent, uh, young talent that's out there in the in wrestling and giving them the platform. And I I I would absolutely like that stable as well. I think. Him teaming up with uh, Bobby Flacco, Teriyaki, Yoya, even. I think that would be like him getting. But I think it would be a funny visual, too. Like, I'm going to get all these people to be Pero, and it's all kind of uh, not Pero sized people <laughs> to help him take him down. But I think that'd be a cool, like Jimmy's little army there. Yeah, Jimmy's kids. Jimmy and the kids. <laughs> I don't know. We got to figure out something. Jimmy and the twins. No, that ain't going to work. <laughs> no. Anyway, all right. All right. Next match. Next match. <laughs> I noticed I was talking myself into some shit there. So I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just stop. Next match of the evening is Adam Priest going one-on-one against Brogan Finley. And I was intrigued. I, I was happy to see Priest back. I think Priest and Tony Depp and absolutely killed. And I think that's where Priest definitely earned a spot. Um, 
in uh, on this card, especially with GCW in town. And I think it was a very interesting opponent and Brogan Finley, kind of a younger talent, different style of uh, wrestling. And I was intrigued on how this match was going to go. I was actually kind of looking forward to it, see if Brogan could kind of step. I think it was a giant step up for Brogan um, to wrestle against Adam Priest. And it was a I enjoyed this match. I wrote I wrote glad to see Priest back. Um, and he looked really good and Brogan was looking really good to this match too. Um, but, uh, as the match goes on and something, something happens and we will talk about that and kind of try to figure out what happened there too. Cause I could kind of tell like you didn't, couldn't see it clearly. And I, in my notes, I, I couldn't fully understand what happened either. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I have a feeling we're talking about the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, this match, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, this match was announced at the last minute, so this is kind of one of those surprise things right there. Gotcha. Uh, Brogan Finley, uh, he was announced as fighting out of Atlanta, Georgia. I don't think Ooh. I've ever heard that before. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, they announced him out of out of ATL, so I don't know if his gimmick is like he's always going to be out of the city here. <laughs> right. Or, you know, I love that too. That would be a nice little cheap pop. Always coming out of the hometown. People who wouldn't know, wouldn't know. Yeah. So you would cheer him as a hometown favorite. Like, that's what we wouldn't have known. Fuck no. <laughs> I, think, I think we talked about this in just one of the most recent podcasts. I think we said like someone had a gimmick where they would always announce that they were from there and kind of get the cheap pop, but like in a heel way, like he would, yeah, like yeah. they would boo the person cause they didn't like him, but he would try to get on the good side and just say he was from, and he'd be like, yeah, yeah. And they all still boom. And he's like, what the hell? Like, I can't get that even. <laughs> Sorry there. I had to cough for a minute. I'm dying over here. So I've, I was writing here that Adam Priest could make for a very interesting opponent. He's a great heel. He's athletic. He's fast. He's, um, I was looking, he must have like a wrestling background giving his moveset. He just has that. He knows where he's going on a body. That's, you know what I mean? Like he has direction and that's where he's trying to go. That's something that I really noticed here, which up against a young broken Finley, this is a learning lesson. That's, that's the way I'm kind of looking at it here. It's like, this is going to really benefit him more than it's going to benefit priest. That's what I was thinking too. Like I said, this was kind of a step up for him and a chance to show off what he's capable of. Yeah. You know who I kind of, I probably shouldn't say this name, but uh, who Adam priest was reminding me a lot during this match. Go ahead. Chris Benoit. Really? On a very, very basic level. Just the, hmm. ti- the way the tights, the body, as you said, him focusing on body parts and wearing them down. Yeah. And with, I, I just saw Chris Benoit, uh, like a did you see who parallel. I wrote down? No. Oh, okay, I see it. Uh, yeah, I can yeah, see that now, too. Now, Priest reminds me of Hardcore Holly. Yeah. All the way down to being from the South. Yeah, no just a shorter version of it. I can absolutely see Short, that as well. tough little son of a bitch that knows his way around a body and if he just catches you, if he just catches your arm on a bad day, you're done for. So yeah, um, I see your side now. I just never looked at it that way. Yeah, oh. I don't know. I think it's just the way that the oh. the tights fit on him, and like you know, like he's just got that shaved head too. So, I just I just yeah, was he... watching this match. I was like, and the way he was working body parts, so like it's like a mini mini and way worse version of Chris Benoit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even completely surprised by that one. So fans in this match were solidly behind Brogan. By the halfway point, Brogan pretty much had gotten his ass kicked. Priest was in control about eighty percent of this match overall. And that staying in control that he done through this match, you could see was veteran experience. The ending was just a touch awkward. You could tell they had to call an audible. There was just a little miscommunication. Accents happen. That's all a mention of it. Priest hits a quick DDT on Brogan for the win. So our winner here, Mr. Adam Priest. 
this match didn't really have many high spots or weapons at all. This was a pure wrestling match. I think it was a solid number two match. And um, I felt it did its purpose. And I think part of the purpose was to give Brogan some uh, some experience up against a guy who really has his shit together in the ring. Yeah, I'm the same way I wrote. Like, this is what I said. I think we'll talk about it. Like, I, I, the, there's a scary spot outside. I'm uh, trying to get to that part now when I'm watching it to kind of figure out exactly what happened. But I remember even watching it live and rewinding it. I couldn't figure out what the hell happened. So I uh, was trying to figure it out as well. And I do think that's kind of the reason, too. They had a call. It seemed like they called it all the audible and uh, ended the match a little early. I just couldn't figure yeah, out. Yeah. Like somebody what? might have gotten injured. Something awkward happened. I didn't I didn't try to go too much into it. That's why I kind of just mentioned the ending, because I was like, I I can't describe something I don't really understand, you know? Yeah. So maybe you can see something more on. Well, it I could like I'm watching it now. Look like Brogan was on the outside with uh Adam Priest up on his shoulders on the apron and looked like that they were going to Brogan was going to give like that rolling DVD or the mm-hmm. just like just drop him on the outside in the corner. It looks like Adam kind of got caught with half his body on the inside <laughs> of the ropes. And so when Brogan went to kind of jump down, he landed on his feet and Adam Priest didn't really roll over. But then oh, Brogan kind of just like fell into the the apron and it looks like maybe he like hit uh adam's like hamstring or ass i don't know if he broke his tailbone Shit. or something i don't know it did look a little funny just watching it back now even. he done broke his ass yeah like, but you could tell like <laughs> it was something something was up and uh yeah i don't know um i do i kind of wanted this match i wanted to see the actual ending and who knows it was already nine minutes so i do think maybe they had a little bit more to show during this match but i think as you said it was a great step up for finley to kind of show that he belongs working with uh talent like adam priest and adam priest i i've been saying this since the tony Deppin match i want to see him in gcw a little bit more often because i i'm impressed with a lot of stuff that he does in the ring and i think there's a lot of fun matches that he could do very similar to tony and especially uh shout out to tony Deppin too real fast i know we're a couple shows yes. behind but uh hurt his arm um and his match with zach saber and will be out of action for a while so make sure you go buy that uh t-shirt i forgot what website it is maybe i'll attach it to the bottom of this podcast to, for a link to go sit there or go out there and support Tony and buy a shirt. But I think maybe yeah, with Tony being out, maybe Adam priest could kind of feel that role. Um, as like, not a, not, I don't think he'd be as good as a heel, but I think entering work, he could do just, just as, an, outside the ring. Threat, yeah. Yes. Credible wrestling threat. Um, an asshole in a different way. Yeah. I think in the ring, he could definitely hold his own and do what Tony does. But I think on the outside, uh, try to get the fans really against him would be a little bit, Harder, but I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Adam Priest kind of step in that role uh, over these next couple mm-hmm. months. Or there's a lot of people too that could do that, but I think uh, Adam Priest would be a fun fun fit there. Well, get well, Tony Depp, and we fucking love you, brother. Yes, absolutely. Our third matchup of the evening. Oh, I was gonna. I'm gonna kind of have to steal your first line here because uh, I have that. In my, I kind of have it in my notes too. Okay. It's okay. a battle of two best friends, as they like to call each other, as. Oh, okay. It's been a while since we said this. Now, Chica Chica Hero, Hero, I'll Chica Hero. Get it right. Eerie. 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 I should have wrote that in there again, like <laughs> the Eerie. I love doing that because it's kind of easy to. I know, but I got the first name down and I can't get the four letters. <laughs> Shiggy. Shiggy. Okay. I don't know if it was me or if it was, but I noticed during this broadcast, they were calling him Shiggy off and on. Oh, okay. So I don't know. As I don't know. Shiggy goes a one-on-one with his best friend, the Raddy Daddy, Cole Radrick. And I was really looking forward to this match. Uh, I've been 
loving uh, Shiggy in GCW um, and knowing after all the stuff that they posted online um, around collect, uh, Collective Weekend with Cole Radic and Shiggy um, with the being the best friends and everything. And the, this match got announced, I think, right around then, um, even though this was after the Collective. I think it was announced during the Collective and they were both so happy for it. I wanted to see how these two would interact. Like if it would get into a slugfest or if it would be more of a comedy match or what. And um, I enjoyed this match. It actually was more uh, not so friendly until the end, but um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Shiggy is definitely in showing improvement every time I see him. And Cole, this was, we've been kind of seeing after Cole lost the extreme bow, I've been kind of seeing if, I don't want to see Cole just do the scramble matches and be and thrown in, in as an extra person in these six-person tag matches. I wanted to see a purpose for Cole, and uh, we're kind of seeing it here. And this match going against uh, Shigehiro was a good step forward in that direction. So, Irie is a WXW champion, but this is a non-title match. So, Cole comes out, and he does a great face thing. He picks up a kid and does a little celebration with him. It was a feel-good moment. It's lovely. Um... This comes back to it, and I only touch for a second. Someone should be paying attention to these kids. It's it's a great place to be, and if someone taps into it, boy, would they have themselves a really good job at GCW for a little while because that's a little bit of a different crowd. I don't know how much it would mix with this, but there are some kids that come to the show, and boy, oh boy, would they love to have a moment just to scream their heads off too. Right. So, um, when Cole's introduced by Emil, though, he gets this huge chant. Uh, both of these guys, they start with a handshake, so obviously it's friendly. Shiggy had me fucking laughing from the beginning. Cole tried to throw him. He failed miserably multiple times, so Shiggy kissed his hand like a baby. I was noticing the match had this lighthearted feel mostly in the beginning. Um, I'm going to go further into how it kind of goes along. Um, <clears throat> I put Shiggy's funny, uh, let's see, goes outside the ring. Yeah, so they go outside the ring and brawl for a while. Cole gets in some awesome offense by using the cage on the stage. Ratchik was hanging in well against the champion, but Irie is showing dominance. Tons of GCW chants were going on in this. Fans were loving the wrestling in this match. Irie has a very hard-hitting style of offense, and if I, much, like if I must watch a wrestling-heavy match, then this is more it for me. He gives me the RVD vibes with his singlet. <laughs> but, yeah, hard-hitting. The Shiggy ends up hitting the Beast Bomber for the win. I put down here a good wrestling match with some lighthearted humor that was just enough. It wasn't too much to take away from the serious wrestling that they were doing in this match. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the beginning. Like I, I would was wondering how it would go, and it kind of did get the best of both worlds, like I said, as it started off a little playful and then uh, got serious there in the middle. Um, <laughs> they looked like they were trying to find like their uh, footing to uh, working with their chemistry, not their footing, the chemistry working together with each other. Um, I noticed that some parts too during that match, but I enjoyed Cole Radrick's uh, resourcefulness on the cage outside. I did like how he used it to counter uh, Shiggy. Um, uh I also wrote like I kind of hope that after this match was a Tony Depp and Brian Keith match just to kind of slow the pit, slow down the show, tell like mm -hmm. a more old school technical struggle and uh, like after the last match with the kind of the injury that happened and um, and this match I can't remember where because like I said it's been a while but I think there was like something here that kind of happened like happened that didn't that seemed a little off and I just thought that Tony versus Brian Keith would be kind of a good way to slow the show down get it get the train back on its tracks and uh continue on but i enjoy this match and i i this is like i would like to see those two kind of team up now being best friends and uh 
I, I'm putting everybody together in a tag team. See, instead of separating everybody, I'm putting them all. Together. You want a you want a tag team tournament, man? I do. I, it's a you want that reach want. for the sky tournament? I do want that reach for the sky tournament. That is one I will absolutely be a hot thousand percent on your side on that one. I I would be for that. Um, but yeah, fun. I I think this is cold. Like even though, as you said, it was a non-title match, uh, wrestling against someone with gold and uh, with that experience, especially from. Uh, WXW, as you said, I thought this was a cool way for kind of Cole to kind of get his momentum back on track. So even though he lost, it was still a, a good match. And um, these are the kind of matches I like to see Cole in with. There's a meaning for it because you could tell there's also a different side of Cole too. Like especially when he went against Masha for the title, he was there was no playing around. He was serious, and this is it. This is what I worked hard for. I like seeing the more serious Cole. But when the time comes and for him to have his fun and uh, enjoy himself in the ring and out of the ring before after the match, like you said, with the little kid and afterwards with the dance. I wonder if that's a thing, too, because I've noticed that with Shiggy and Brian Keith. Uh, they always, like, Shiggy seems to be dancing all the time after his matches with the opponents. But I enjoy it. I like it. It's lighthearted, and it's him yeah, also yeah. showing respect to his opponents um, as well at the end. But uh, I enjoy this match, and uh, I do want to see more Shiggy in GCW. Um, that is one name I do want to see he wrestle a lot more as well, but with him wrestling for XWX. I know that's a little bit difficult as a booker. I would love to play with the friendship dimension between these two, because, you know, I'd have the match going on and then all of a sudden someone hits someone a little too hard. And he's like, you mother's fucker. And then he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then, you know what? He fucking hits him hard about a minute later again, just out of nowhere. And it starts to devolve. And then, you know, maybe Shiggy answers back with one fucking solid shot of his own. And then you start to see, like, you can watch the friendship devolve. Yeah. Would be hilarious. And then, of course, at the end, it'd be feel good. But um, when done right, we don't really know how evil or demented Shiggy could be. And also, we've seen a demented Cole. And we've seen a heel Cole. He's very possible. Uh, oh no, he's very capable of pissing off fans if he wants to. It's it's there, but um, can you imagine yeah. Shiggy just like losing his shit and being like a like Ken Shamrock angry, <laughs> like just ah, oh. so crazy that I would like I want to see that former Shiggy now too. I think that was a good call. Our fourth matchup of the evening, as what I hoped for would happen before I I, I wrote this in the notes too. Like I swear before that. All that was happening is like I need Tony and Depp or Tony Depp and Brian Key slow it down. That end up happening in the next match, as it is Tony Depp versus Brian Keith. Um, it was Tony filling in for Joey, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, Janela was injured somehow, and Tony was the filling. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember who the filling was. Um, so yeah, I was. I asked for this match. I got it, and it was perfectly placed. It was yes, it was at the high flying big spots. Go go go. It was way more old school, just working body parts, telling stories with the facial reactions and the struggle of the submission moves and the holds in the ring. I love this match and how it was planned out and how it was executed and perfect, especially for Brian Key too. I think this was another a good way to showcase uh, another one of Brian Key's strengths that we really don't get to see too often, uh, but definitely came across in this match. So I was expecting a match between two technically sound wrestlers. And that is a hundred percent what we got. Tony comes out. He ignores the kid in the front row who wanted a high five. Then he ignores another guy, then throws another man's hat across the arena. 
Deppen was in true classic form. Atlanta loves Brian Keith. Maybe it's the music, but I like him a lot. Solid performer in the ring. He has an aura about him that I think works. Both men start the uh, match off with a twirl off. Tony's twirling his shirt and Keith is twirling his... I don't have a better word for it than poncho. If someone knows what that is that he wears to the ring, I'm pretty sure it's not a poncho and I feel disrespectful. I don't know it. Uh, Deppin escapes the ring and people chant, you're a pussy. This happens plenty. More replays keep showing up on the screen. I'm absolutely loving it. Thank you to whomever does those. It looks so much more professional when we have all those replays ran back. So GPW Productions, good fucking job. There are a lot of holds being performed. Classic wrestling fans would really like this match. That was something I wanted to put in my notes. Tony sucks chance. Let's go Brian chance. There's a nice spot where Keith hit a killer spinning DDT towards the end of the match. Keith then hit an exploder superplex that I thought would have ended the match. Deppin somehow kicked out. Still, more GCW uh, fans from the fans. They were really coming alive, especially in this match. They were really, um, it was like the story that these two were telling was just so damn good that they were really into it. Again, this is Southern crowd. They love the story. So our ending here, Keith goes to lift Deppin, but fails. Deppin hits Keith while he's checking his knee for something like Keith was having knee problems somehow. And uh, yeah, Deppin basically hits him in the balls and gets a sneaky win. So our winner in this one, Tony Deppin, of course, Tony being the dastardly heel that he is left the ring quickly. Keith does get up after some struggle and the crowd gives him an ovation. This seems to be a thing for Keith. No matter where he goes, he's always getting a good ovation at the end of his matches. And that's going to lead me to one of my first notes I wrote in this match was... Holy Keith, shit, yeah, you get some notes too, right? Keith belongs, man. I I, I wrote Keith... Brian Keith just belongs. Um, I'm yeah. grateful to see him more in GCW. I hope it continues. And same thing as Myron Reed. I hope he just feels like he belongs. I hope it continues. And... um. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see Tony Deppin get the win. I was kind of hoping Brian Keith would uh, be able to get a victory, even though he just got the victory at the last show we covered over Tankman uh, with the surprise victory. I guess I don't. Uh, I could see giving Tony the win, but I would like to. I just was hoping they kind of be building Brian Keith's momentum more and maybe have him start leading into some of these matches, uh, more high-profile matches in GCW and the title matches, especially like a JCW. I want to see now. Brian Keith versus uh, Jordan Oliver. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, I love this match, though. Um, the kick out at one from Brian Keith and Tony's reaction <laughs> when Brian Keith kicked out like was great. Tony Face's reaction. I think he just went on to another level, too, with the his chops, his reactions from all the chops and everything. Um, but I thought this was what the show needed. It was, like I said, brought the pace back together, kind of put it, brought it all, all in motion because, like, I was feeling a little bit like felt like they were rushing a lot during the last first couple matches and trying to get a bunch of shit in. And there's a couple botches here and there, but that is going to happen. I just wanted this match to kind of get the show back on pace and um, it delivered. And one thing I noticed too, to this match, the ropes, man, the ropes look super loose. Like I don't, I, I yes. like the top rope, the middle, the, like, all of them look super loose. I even wrote down here, like, I hope they tie the ropes before my King go commander. Cause those two are going to be all mm-hmm. over those ropes, and you want them tight for those two. Um, and I, one thing I kind of wish that 
the hat thrower would have done. I wish Tony Deppin would have took Brian Keith's hat and tossed it somewhere. Just oh, to kind of shit, set off, like, get been... the heat going and get Brian Keith all oh. angry. That was the one thing I wrote. Like, I really wish, like, Tony would have, during this match, grabbed Keith's hat and tossed it somewhere. But I wouldn't do that either if I was Tony. <laughs> so I have an idea. Um, why don't, I mean, is the FD thing with Charles Mason over? Yes. Is that thing over? Damn, because what I was going to say was... I'd love to have seen Effie hire Brian Keith and go after Mason. And that's where I think I could have done the opposite. I would I wouldn't mind seeing I would have rather seen Brian Keith fill in the role hunt, for Billy Dixon. Yeah. Cause that would have made more sense Ooh. than Billy Dixon being involved in that whole story. Like I dude, I, don't I still know. don't understand what that was about. I yeah. almost feel like he was just included in it. Yeah, that I, I don't know. It, it just I mean it has no importance. It has no importance today at all. It would have made more sense though, as you said though, with the the bounty hunter. If you're going to want to have somebody do your dirty work, you hire the bounty. You got Darth right. Mason over here. He could have hired bounty hunter Keith, uh, Brian Mason. Keith in. <laughs> and there you we go. Got some Star Wars kind right. of things going on tonight. Yeah, um, I think Brian Keith should be booked as dangerous as fuck. If you hear the music and you see the man coming to the ring, you know whoever's in the ring is going to get the shit kicked out of him. And if they even win at all, they're walking out with a severe limp. So... Yeah, that's where I'd like to see Brian Keith booked because he needs it, man. I, I, I don't know where is he working at MLW or is he working at a higher level ROH? Any of those? Um, I, I don't. Brian Keith, no, I don't don't believe okay. he's worked. Um, he's just he's got the face, he's got the whole look, he's got the you know the music. Yeah, he'd uh, probably be able to keep the music because I think he's under the Swisher ew, House. That's I don't right? know. That's a tough one. That's I, no, I think he's I think he's part of the whole. He's sponsored by them. Yeah, he's still got to get the okay from. Oh well, I guess yeah, he is their company. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, no, he had to get the approval from the the higher ups. I'm like, no, that that is the yeah. higher ups. You are right. I don't know how that would yeah. work to be honest. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why I work in a doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, I don't see Brian yeah, Keith Tony working Deppin. for any of the other like quote unquote bigger companies. Um, a lot of stuff. He needs to. A lot of he stuff. He needs to. Yeah, yeah I, I, f- I feel like for what he's shooting for as a character, he's got it. I told you, I thought him, him and Tankman would have been the perfect mogul affiliates with Swerve Strickland, man. Like, oh, I, wow. I, I, I wow. oh, I've said that many wow. times. I don't want to get going on that again. I just think that was a dropped ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. Uh, Tony Deppin with the win. Um, I think it makes sense now too. I, I think about it. Uh, the match that Tony Deppin had coming up here two shows later. Um, it makes sense. I just wanted to see Brian Keith win. <laughs> Our fifth matchup of the evening. Same thing. I'm going to be very unbiased during this match as well. Just kidding. I'm going to be very biased. As the thumb pointing cocky motherfucker Blake. I'm going so tired of it. Like this was the match. I was like lost it. I even wrote here. I'm like, I can't stand it no more. <laughs> it's working. I know. That's why I was like, I can't stand it. It's working and I hate it. Love it. As Blake Christian goes against Mike Jackson. And I was waiting. I was hoping for a surprise upset and then give Blake all his heel heat afterwards and let him beat up Blake or beat up Mike Jackson afterwards. That's what I was hoping for at the beginning of this match. I don't know. I just felt like they kept on making like a big deal. Uh, I forgot what the commentary kept on saying. I should have wrote it in my notes, but like it just really felt like I, at the beginning of this match that Jackson might get like an upset here. I was just having a feeling that Jackson was going to post some sort of upset, but um, 
quite a contrast of styles here and yeah it was, it was good I, the perfect accent uh mike jackson match i i thought it was perfect for him just in for all the right reasons that going against blake and had a lot of cool spots with blake as well okay so this show was called into the light i i'm somewhere someone had to have said please mike jackson don't go into the light <laughs> anyway yeah that that was terrible but you know I love Mike. Actually, like I said, we've anybody who's listened knows I've talked to him before and dude is the nicest guy you'd like to meet, like the nicest. So, um, Mike, of course, gets a huge welcome from the fans. Atlanta's only a two hour drive from Birmingham. So I'd say Mike is in home territory. He's also had many appearances in center stage over the years, including JCP and NWA. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Another fun fact, because Mike is such a hard worker when it comes to putting people over in his long career, he's only had two title runs, the PWA heritage championship in 2010 and the Spartan pro heavyweight championship also in 2010. That is a lot of selfless work for the business and a huge benefit to anyone he happens to work with. But yeah, this was an interesting, interesting matchup. Here's what I was looking for. I was looking for the veteran to come out there and kick the shit out of the little too wild, little too cocky fucking kid. Like I was looking at the teacher to come out of the class, go out into the, go out onto recess and just grab a hold of that little shithead kid that keeps beating up people and throwing things. You know what I mean? It's like when you see an asshole kid and you finally see his dad get a hold of him and whoop his ass, like you're just you're cheering on the ass whooping. <laughs> That's what I was telling you. Like I was hoping for an upset, and like I don't know. I had I was just like really. I wrote in my notes, kind of expecting an upset before the match started, yep. and then I will hope that Blake goes way overboard after the match, destroys Mike post match, and then Masha could come out and make the save, and Blake runs away. Yeah, That's what I, I wrote my notes like as this match was starting. <laughs> So, yeah, th this was an interesting matchup, though. Um, Mike will be the one who basically sets the pace. That was how this is going to go. Blake refuses to shake hands. Hans, listen to me. I'm sounding Hans. all fancy. He refuses to shake hands, then spends a lot of time outside the ring stalling. Typical cheap heel shit. Works every time. And it's lovely. Mike looks ready to go. Blake's a pussy chance coming from the fans who are tired of his antics very early in the match. Mike surprises Blake with a larger challenge that he absolutely wasn't expecting fans are solidly behind jackson they were even cheering an arm bar that's how wrapped up they were in mike jackson winning this this is i don't know what time this was in the match but yeah dude throws an arm bar and people are like yeah so i thought it was great jackson goes to walk the ropes and blake pushes him off mike is on the turnbuckle blake then hits him with a dragon screw mike is selling the leg injury really well blake starts rope walking to walk to mock mike but mike knocks him off and blake gets a top rope into the nuts the old school top rope on the nuts so mike yells out old school and he decides to walk the top rope all the way around so i'll go ahead to the finish here blake went outside the ring mike went to grab blake Blake threw a chair in the ring. The referee then turned to remove the chair. And when the ref turned, Blake hit a low blow on action. Mike Jackson, putting poor Mike out of action for a while. He wraps up Mike for three and that's our winner. Blake Christian. What's your thoughts there, sir? Uh, as we were riding, uh, as we we're going, uh, I, as you were going over there, I was noticing Blake Christian is doing a way better job this round as a heel of 
not just getting the booze from the fans and he's doing it in a very simple way. I don't like the whole suck it and the thumbs every <laughs> single time, like the RVDs. That I don't mind. It's the eye, it's the eye roll, the constant suck it. Like that's just that's driving me nuts, but that's what he's doing and it's working and I fucking hate it because it's working so good. And I think his facial reactions during this match was a um way better job of getting Mike over. And I think he's doing a better job lately with this sell- overselling kind of um, making the opponents look really good in the ring. And that's just kind of helping his heel status because they get the crowd more behind him. And then he'll do something as he did here, get that low blow for the cheap victory. And now you got even bigger heat as the heel and he is doing it to perfection. Other than in my opinion, the damn suck it's in the eye rolls. Um, I do like it now. It's like every time someone says that something <laughs> bad on Twitter, he's always posting the picture of him doing the eye roll and the thumbs. Like that, I enjoy the trolling online that he's been doing. I like it because I don't like seeing it a thousand times in the ring. But he's killing it here. I can, I actually cannot wait till the day he actually does cash in his uh brass ring and challenges for the belt because I think that's going to be a nuclear heat that he's going to be getting whenever that does happen. And I think he could do it in a pretty cool way to. Uh, uh, get the fans even more against him um, as he maybe possibly becomes a champion as well. Oh, shit. I, didn't, I just saw your last message. I, that? Your last oh, note. No, no, that's good. I swear no, to God. That, that means we agree. I wrote that during, like, the, like just watching it. I was, like, thinking about it because I kind of wrote in my notes, like, Blake's doing a better job, I wrote. Yes. Yeah, he is. But, like, He's I, doing a much yeah, better job. I just kind of, like, it's the damn suck it's in the eye rolls for me, but I, I agree yeah, with that. I, I think get he's it. doing great. So, when we both come to the same opinion and we're two different individuals and we're both super fans, that lets us know that what he's doing, we're getting the point. Yep. Well, it's well done. Uh, fans heavily booed Blake throughout this match. I noticed that Blake pointed to his watch and he said, it's only a matter of time for Masha. Okay, you may hate him, but I'm cheering him on. I actually want to see Blake do something. Someone's, yeah. Okay. I, I don't, too much I don't hate him. I hate the eye rolls. I hate the suckets. But every time he's gone heel, I found something to hate about him, which is fine, though, because that's what the heels are supposed to do. Accentuate the part that's going to get the crowd angry and mad at you. Before, it was just like, it was more the actual just constantly trying to talk and call other people out. That was like legit. I hated that part of his character. And that's why it didn't work, I think, because it was legit heat by fans. They wanted to hear him stop fucking talking, stop calling other wrestlers out for this promotion when you can't get any of these goddamn matches you're asking for. You're not getting them, so stop doing it. You've promised this Graveheart for Moxley. You did it for two shows. Moxley came out. You turned into fucking all hard again for no reason, Mm -hmm. no story, no nothing. So you wasted our time. I really like this turn as a heel because it seems like he's perfected everything that he did. He's not, as, as you've always said during that whole run, his heel, his heel run is going to be defined by his actions in the rings and not his words on the mic. And that is exactly what he's doing right now. He's excelling at it as a heel. I'm loving this version as the heel. And I do want to see him have the match against Masha. I don't know. I think he could do a lot. I prefer a heel champion for longer because the chase is always what's fun. Um, when the face is a champion, it's fun for a little bit, but then it kind of gets like, where are we going to go from here? So I do think it's kind of nicer to keep on building this Masha run. Um, I, I, I will, I, I'll say what I message you though. I don't like how there's six shows coming up and she's announced for six different opponents and 
I would say 80% of these opponents make zero fucking sense if we're just going off of wrestling fucking logic. As a fan who's watched the show, why are some Go of ahead. these wrestlers... Let's hear it, brother. I don't want to drop names. Why are some no, of these wrestlers good. getting title shots when they've either lost their few, few matches, we haven't seen you in a while, hell, we haven't seen you in the promotion in years, and you're hopping back in and getting a title shot with your one match that you wrestled with and you lost. Like, I, I just don't understand... The future booking. And I've always said this. I hated that when they did that with Gage and Tony Deppin and uh oh, who else was it? Cole Radrick. They like he had those matches mm-hmm. announced. It's like what I, I just don't like doing it more than one. Like after this match, cool. I know what they have to do that to sell tickets. I I, I get the reason why. As a fan, yeah. I just don't like it just yeah. because I go to i I go to like booker mode and not indie booking mode, which is a lot different and a lot harder to do. And I I understand what they have to do to it. I just wish that Wins and losses meant something, and sometimes it doesn't feel like, especially in a title world title scene, the face of your franchise, the face of your company, and you're, you're getting random people a title shot. I don't think that helps the champion at all because, like, okay, why are they getting a title shot? Oh, they won. Well, they should have won. I, they lost their last two matches, so that was a waste. Or, like I'm bitching about now, is why is this person getting a title match? They've lost their two, or we haven't seen you in over a year if not longer or if ever and you just hop right in for a title shot it just in my mind booking wise doesn't make any sense but um that that's the only negative i could i could say about this this title run for masha that has nothing to do with her she's had very good matches and delivered awesome matches and i think it's showing why she's the underdog as a champion and having to go to certain depths and do certain things during these matches that she normally wouldn't do as a face but she has to do to retain the title. Like that match with Speedball was fucking awesome. I've never seen a match where the ring gets torn apart. Not just that, but also let's get rid of these damn boards and go into the ring at the bottom. And like, it, I, I just thought that was such a cool championship match. And um, I do like some of the stuff she's doing. I just wish the, the, the title defenses made sense for wrestling logic, I guess is the correct way to say it. You hit all my favorite words, my friend. Here oh. we go. Wrestling logic. Our champion is five foot three and 135 pounds. Nick Gage was smashing motherfuckers, knocking out fucking Rio, Leo Rush, knocking out some huge talent, get smashed by someone who's five, three and 135. That's logic that makes no sense to me. And it would, and it did, I just, I'm just, for saying. me, it didn't involve any weapons, which I think kind of hurt it a little bit for me. I don't let that. Like what? What you're the, saying? You're I talking under- the Gage title loss. Yeah, the Gage. The Gage when she when he it lost- was dirty. It was dirty. Yeah, but he lost dirty. I thought no Pete the Cutter, hardly any of his weapons and stuff. Yeah, he got a fucking does. chair to the face, and then she won the championship. Now give it to her. But that makes see. I'm going to That's counter. I'm did. going to counter That's my damn did. self here. That's please do. Please it makes do. Sense. Okay, I like it. That makes sense. Like yeah. that makes sense. Where Nick Gage couldn't use any of that stuff that helps him win and that he uses all the time. So he had to be out of his element, which put him yes. at maybe a possible disadvantage against Masha, who doesn't need that stuff to win all the time. I'm not saying Nick did ever yeah. either, yeah. but I just think in the way that matchup was, as you said, if we're going off the size and stuff, logically for me, I would rather have Masha have all those weapons to like say that she needed to use all those to beat Nick Gage. But I also, like I said, I'm, I'm waddling the fence here. I get where hey, Nick Gage didn't have what he's used to, and that makes him good. That's why he was at a disadvantage, and that's why he lost to Masha. So I, I play it back and forth. I just, 
I I got I got the statement. I got the statement you'll never hear out of my fucking mouth. I'm gonna say this one time because I believe it. And I heard it from I heard it from Rob Black. So I'm gonna go ahead and say it because you'll never hear this out of my mouth because you know my personal opinion. If there's a woman that should have gotten that fucking heavyweight championship in the last five years and earned it, Alley Cat. Yep. I I, I agree. A thousand percent I just, agree. I'm just I'm just saying if there's someone that can lift a full grown man, if there's someone that can go out there, look credible against someone who is an average size, this this would be it. It's really hard when the champion walks around the ring and I can rest my elbow on her head. I don't like that. I like but understandably, I come from the wrestling of giants from the 80s. Yeah. I come from that old school where I think even now with my size, my heroes should look larger than me. They should look larger than life. And again, that's just personal opinion. I don't because there's so many fantastic talents of all sizes. But at some point after 30 fucking years, someone has to say, where's all the large talent also? Yeah. Where's all the large fucking, where is the six foot five, six foot six destroyer? Like, uh, there's where one is out the there that I where... think would be cool yeah. to show up in GCW. Like I said, his Who's name that? cruel. Interesting. I, so, I so, haven't seen okay, much so of him wrestling wise. So I don't more but... death, more death, more, more death match than wrestling. Not exactly. Lie. That's why that's why I was just saying, like, I from what I've only seen, I haven't yeah. seen much quote unquote wrestling. I've seen all his matches. Bring in the Carver, matches, too, then. But that's perfect because he's a yes, the Carver, the Carver for TOA to us eight. You don't know who the Carver is? I'm fucking lost there. No, sure. Go ahead. Go look up. Uh, let me see if I can tell you how to do it. But go look up the Carver. I think it's with a K. I'm going to double check right now myself. Two eight. What? Two eight zero. What'd you say? Images. Yeah, the Carver. C A R V E R. Check him out. He comes out like um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre primarily. This was kind of what I was going to do with my son if my son decided to wrestle, except for I was going to get him an actual chainsaw. And I was going to take the chain off and I was going to have him fucking rip on that chainsaw. Yeah, this guy's called the Carver. He's got like a good look to him. Uh, uh, some wrestling, mostly deathmatch. I mean, if he wrestles, it's going to be deathmatch. Yeah. So I agree, though, with that statement out of the catch. When she was going against, the, like, even though she was part of SGC, but she was in there stabbing Matthew Justice, having fucking wars with Mance Warner. Um, I think she's standing toe to with toe F with yep. everyone. Yeah, that and but that's that's kind of why we say like this character, this version of her characters not hitting for us on uh, currently because we, I didn't grow not saying grow up, but like I first saw Ali Catch as that badass like her against Joey Janela, mm -hmm. and she held her own against Joey Janela. That was my first time seeing her ever in action and hearing her name and Russell. And that was my first GCW show. And I was one of the best matches of that night with Joey Janela. And then she happened to get hurt, it looked like, and they threw up an X and called the match early. Um, but I've never seen She her. got buried in Hammerstein. Yeah, that's the, no, that, I, I no. pushed a bruise, didn't I? No. I, uh, okay, okay. She did. She got buried after all that shit. And I still say to this day, the Hammerstein promo and her personal promo, promo where she's walking and looking at the sign, like the best shit I've ever seen done by GCW was right there. Yep. You could damn near cry watching some of your favorites stand on stage being, they don't fucking want me. I wasn't yep. worth the shit. This like, that was fantastic for me. Um, yeah. The deadly cat. I think alley cat should have really gotten this by the balls. She's the one that probably should have went in there and dropped gauge. 
I mean, she was. She I, had a I, war with Gage. She had a war with Warner. War with Justice. Um, she was getting she got the, history. She was getting the shit beat out of her by almost everybody she wrestled with, and was holding her own and bringing it, if not harder. And that's what got the crowd to start cheering for her and and support her and gather yeah. around and trying to get her. I think she did get one. Oh, I'm not. I don't want to look it up right now. But I, no, good, I think she good. did get one chance to get uh, against Nick Gage as the champion and. She held her own there and whooped ass, and like that crowd was so hot for her to win that night. If I remember correctly, yeah. maybe she wrestled just against Nick Cage. Maybe it wasn't for the belt, but um, I, I agree I, with you. I, She's always my best. shit if Allie wins there because there's that whole women's thing coming up where it's all women in the championship. Yeah, I Allie could do it right there, but I'm just okay. So I'll bring all my stuff about Allie full circle because this is the way to do it. From day one, I said. The whole bussy thing is nice, but I said that Allie needs to get away from Effie, get out from the shadows, stop being just the friend that hangs out and fucking, you know, stop that. Get on your goddamn own, stand on your own two feet. You're not, you're, I mean, you can come out as Effie's friend, but what you should do is come out as Allie Catch. And that's, I mean, that's first and foremost because she has stepped it up. I don't know how, but you can tell in the last three to six months, she stepped it up in ring. Her match that I, uh, was it this show? Let's see if this is this show. See, there's the workhorseman. I just don't want to quote myself as being wrong here. Uh, Thrussy was in this one. Yeah. An unpopular pish, uh, opinion, especially since Allie Catch does her thing, and I think she should be in a title hunt. Effie's doing her thing. Uh, Effie's doing his thing. Dark Sheik, I'm kind of so-so. No lie. I don't know if there's anything added to the team. When she's there, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, just saying, I'm not really seeing much wrestling wise. I do see some high dives and things like that, but um, love Sheik as a person. Actually, my wife talks to her all the time. I talk. Um, it's just what, what is the what? Is, there's no shock value um, to the name anymore, Thrussy. There's no. It looks like just a fun throw together. And in that group, two out of three of them are world champions waiting to happen. So that's why I say, well, you know, she needs to get off Effie's nuts. She fucking does because she's fucking capable. Masha Slamovich is sitting in a spot right now. I think Allie Katz should have. Yeah. So, and, and that's nothing personal. It's just I'm looking at the totality of the work involved. And I'm looking at a fucked up bloody Allie from the show where it was Bussy versus Los Macisos versus the fucking bastards. Remember that shit? Where yeah. it was just chaos, fucking blood everywhere. Actually, She's falling off of that. fucking scaffolds. Exactly. So I mean, that's not the that's not the that's not the workhorse. If we're gonna pick a woman, that's not that's not the workhorse. Bro, she can pick up most of those guys over her head. That right there is a big fucking plus. How are you gonna have a champion that's unable to pick up? I don't know. Pick a name. Moxley. You know, yeah. this women's this women's thing. I was joking with somebody. I forget who it was. And he said, why don't the special run in be um, be Pero? <laughs> Just level everybody. Why not? It's it's the championship. Everybody should be on their game. What's wrong with him having a match and steamrolling? He should be capable of doing that. Why should he appear weaker? I, I wouldn't be surprised. See, if, like, I love Christian, saying that. Like Christian, I, come in I want it. And I'm ruin ready it for it. All. <laughs> ruin it all. I'm, okay, I'm ready for that, but I'm trying to figure out in my head creatively where he could go because he's already gotten that heel heat. Unless he does something more, he's already reached the pinnacle of where he's gonna reach when it comes to getting heel heat. What's left besides talking to the fans or doing something 
crazy and dastardly. I mean, he's got his little uh, yeah. thing. And, but I think he's, he's having got, fun, like, or not fun, like having good matches nice with all these different, like, opponents. Like, you got Jackson. You, uh, Who do you go against? Oh, my God. See, it's been a while. But he's had a lot of different opponents over these last, since this new Blake Christian as the heel has been out. And he's been yeah. entertaining and very good as a heel. Excuse me. In each all each of these things, and I I do think it is going to be time for him here real soon to take the title off Masha. And I think, in my opinion, like I said, just because I I'm not liking how they're booking Masha. Not saying that Masha isn't world champion material or any of that stuff. I just think that because she's been delivering and what she can control in her spots. I just think right now, especially um, as a heel, you want want Blake Christian to kind of be your champion and to kind of uh, be the asshole that everybody's chasing after, and all the ones that we love to chase, uh, all the ones that we root for to chase after him to be the one that takes the belt off of him. Um, I think he's doing a really great job now and has earned it as this new heel, Blake Christian. For the sixth matchup of the evening, it is Speedball Mike Bailey going against the sauce Alex Zane. And this was one of my Kind of dream matches I've been wanting to see. Uh, not for a long time, but when it was announced, I was all for it and wanted to see it a lot because Alex Zane and Speedball, they're both at the top of their games right now. And I just think their styles and the matchup and the uniqueness and all the different ways they, they perform moves a lot differently than normally done. I was all in on this match and uh, it didn't disappoint. I, I loved it. And I think Alex Zane is just showing that he is he's so much more improved now than even the last time we saw him in GCW against uh I think it was by Kingo in Atlantic City. I can't remember to be honest with you. Who did Dude, go against? It was a high flyer. No, see that's that's where you come in. Ah, see, I'm trying to <laughs> My memory is shot I, on I that. I want to say it was by Kingo, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, I'll, I'll look it up while uh, you go over your notes cuz you have more in notes than I do. Dude I got about halfway through this match and I literally wrote in my notes. Why aren't these two fuckers fighting for a title? They're main eventers. It was, this main was eventers. a main event quality match. I loved this match. It was, might've been the match of the night in my opinion. Wow. You, you know what? That's I actually, said my, I said my, we'll keep my, going. We'll keep going. Cause I was going to say it's definitely a fucking contender. That's for sure. Yeah. So this was also what was cool. We had like, I was talking black versus white and red versus blue. And no, it, it was a good one. Uh, Alex was out all red. He has that secondary mint color as usual. Good look. Uh, he has his own look. I like his self-confidence that he shows when he comes out. Um, he may very well whoop your ass, and he knows he can do it. That's kind of how that comes out. Bailey comes out with his Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero-inspired gear, laughing when he basically... Uh, go ahead, you first. Sorry. You're going to say something and I oh. was going to say like... I was going to say, Alex Zane definitely looks like, yeah, someone's going to kick your ass, but then also with the hair and the, like the flamboyance, like style. also going to steal your girl afterwards as well. You know, that's a good way to put it too. Like you can tell when he wrestles, when he comes out, you're like, which one is he more interested in? Right? <laughs> Whooping your ass or taking your girl. Um, Yeah, I had to stop because I knew you were going to say something about Zane. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Zane's one of my favorites, so I'm not going to lie about that yeah. up front. He's always been one of my favorites. I loved him. I've always loved him. But him and Blake, I kind of just always lumped together because they kind of I started watching them both at the same time. They both kind of had similar career paths, and uh, they're both kind of excelling now. Then I think their characters, both characters now, are the best that they've ever been in any part of their careers that I've seen them in. Well, 
I can say that in GCW, he is the one that went to Japan and has gained the most overall. Yep. Yes. He came sure. back a very, I won't say complete because you never know when people grow, but he looks more like a complete wrestler. He's got the look. He's got the what everything you'd want. He's got. He's got the confidence, he, he, I think. He walks into a Taco Bell. You're going to be like, I don't know who he may be, but he's somebody important. Yeah. That's what he's got now. He's got like an aura around him, which is awesome. Like, like once he first debuted this look at Hammerstein and he said, like, because me, uh, my wife went up there and like, and and said, uh, she got me a Taco Bell shirt because like he was like heavily into the Taco Bell gimmick. So she bought me a Taco Bell shirt from him. And then he goes, yeah, like, um, I think I forgot exactly how he said it, but like he told my wife, like his now new gimmick, he likes to be called like he's going by the sauce and like he's in his Diablo sauce gear because he's absolutely on fire right now and blah, blah, blah. And I, I love it. Like it has a meaning. It kind of fits in. If he wants to say his Taco Bell way, that's fine. But like he's got an aura and presence about him now. And you could tell his improvement in Japan has made him so much more confident. And we're seeing that in his in-ring work. And I, as you said, I think not saying Ninja Mac hasn't grown. He's grown tremendously. Dante Leon's another one too. That's a kind of a close one. I think Alexander mm-hmm. a little bit more because he was more of a almost complete package. But now, as you said, not still complete, but like almost as close as he's ever been. I think Japan has really helped Alexander the most. And then like Dante Leon, Ninja Mac, and Sawyer Rex over there now. Who we'll see what, how she looks when she comes back. Uh, I'm I, that was actually when I first saw that she was working for TJPW. I was like, I wonder how she's going to come back and if how much improvement she could be. Because if she comes back improved, that's going to be a scary Sawyer Rex. Wow, that's a lot said right there, bro. Sorry, I got that's a lot a to lo- say on lo- Taco Bell and Alexander. No, that that was fantastic. And you even threw a little Sawyer Rex in there, like. You well, went just because she went through Japan, because she's in Japan right now. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, really? See, that's how far behind I may be. But she's like, doing deathmatches out there for TJPW. Like, uh, I don't think, I forgot what the guy they call, they call it deathmatch, but they, she's doing like deathmatches out there, um, which is cool. And she's out there and expanding like as wrestlers do and used to do back in the day. They go overseas and do all these excursions and take pieces of that kind of style of wrestling and get better and We've seen all these our GCW favorites improve, and I just really hope Sawyer Rex definitely comes back improved because with her aura and presence, and if she comes back with way better, not way better, no, that short amount of time, but if she starts performing new moves and got a new mindset on how to perform wrestling and act her giant, like, giant badass, I'm going to kick everyone's ass character, I think that's going to elevate her to the next level as Zane did. Wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm happy to see Sawyer Rex doing death matches also. I want to just kind of jump back to that real quick. She's an okay wrestler, but she's a fantastic deathmatch wrestler. The first match we probably both ever watched with her was, I think, in Planet a Planet was it Planet Death or there was some tournament and it was all death matches. So it was either that or uh, but she took the, on the someone. JCW, it was intergender. Yeah, the JCW is where we first saw, her, but I know when. Her first like big moment was I I want to say yeah last year's Planet Death maybe I, I, she got like a fucking thing stapled to her forehead and okay. like it was violent. I'm gonna take a guess here. She shines. I'm gonna take a guess. I was right on my last time we saw Alex Zane against Vikingo was I was right on that one. Luckily, um, okay. I gotta go back now. Where's it at? Okay, I think I mean I haven't looked at it yet, but I think um Sawyer Wreck and Planet Holly or Planet Hollywood Planet Death. I want to say was. Bam Sullivan or oh or, or or um oh god the one that we don't 
want to see in the other island? Rikers Island. Um, Slade? Slade, yeah. I think I want to say it was one of those two. Um, I'm going to look it up here while you continue your notes. But I want to say, yeah, that might have been her coming, like, big coming out party. And the biggest, pla- like, bigger platform we've seen her of her at that time was Planet Death. I think you're right. And that was our first known actions with her was Deathmatch. As I think that's where yeah, you're up yeah. to before I cut you off. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is, is she was introduced and cheered like a mad woman for her deathmatch stuff. And then, of course, they try to get her in, you know, more deathmatches that incorporate more wrestling and such and such. But she's just brutal and can take a beating also. So, I mean, when you have that kind of a combination, it's hard to argue. Uh, Did you see that Mike Bailey tried to kind of like jump up the fence and kick a guy's hand? Yeah, during his entrance, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even I love the ref it. was laughing at him, dude. And I'm glad you're noticing the Sub Zero pants, the Scorpion pants, because I that's yeah. shit I want to know. And I like, I like as you brought to my attention last time. This time, now as soon as I saw like the little blue flames, I'm like, that's Sub Zero. If I got, hopefully he has yep. notes because I think that's Sub Zero. Um, he just has a really good pick and outfits. I don't know who kind of designs them, him and someone else or what it is, but I, you know, it's coming, it's coming from the stuff he loves. I'm sure of it. You know, I want Mortal Kombat. And, I know, love crossover shit. Like. Yeah, I, I always say this about everything in my life. Like you do crossover shit. I'm probably going to buy it if it's two things I love. Cause I don't, I don't know why I just love it when two things of mine get mashed together and I enjoy all that shit. Now, I know I'm a white guy, but my camera looks ultra white tonight. Look at me. I will say your shirt when you said pink, and I saw it on your Twitter post too before we started. I don't see any pink in the just in the light. As you Crazy. said, the lighting I, doesn't do it justice. That's what I'm saying. Oh, it, right it there, you no did it. Justice. Right there, when you lifted up, it looked, I saw like more purple than pink. Oh, there you go. Yeah, at it's, an angle. It's purpley pink. Like yeah. it's actually a yeah, dark it pink, but it doesn't show uh, at all. Let me see if I can. So you got to get our cameras all set up and perfect for when we go to YouTube oh. so we can get our ugly mugs. You can't, yeah, it, you can't really, I'd have to hold it up against something that doesn't do justice. I think, uh, I think the, uh, it's too bright on my camera right now. There you go. <laughs> uh, nope. See, there it goes. It's exposure or something. Oh, well, anyway, so, uh, yeah, cause everybody can hear that. See it too. Both, <laughs> uh, both men start with a handshake. We have loud speedball chance. Um, yeah, see, there was my note. Why aren't these two fighting for a current GCW title? No, it's good. Um, fuck them up, speedball. Fuck them up was said by the crowd. Uh, it was very obvious that Atlanta was speedball territory during a spot that I really wanted to mention where uh, Bailey was on the floor selling a shot to the nuts. The ref bends out of the ring to see if Bailey's okay. Zane takes a run across the ring and dives over the referee onto speedball. An awesome spot. Both men were putting on a very good show. Neither was truly dominant, and each one is getting in their offense. The pace allows each move to breathe a little, and it allows the emotion and drama. That's why I felt this like a championship kind of. This was the, um, I, I call it old school now, but just bringing emotion to the match so that the fans could get into it more. There was psychology in this match. I think that's, at this point, it can't be American anymore. It might as well be the Japanese um background that both of them have to learn how to take a break to sell take a break to let things have impact so i think they did a fantastic job of that zane with the beautiful baja blast still one of my favorites out there later in the match zane keeps arguing with the ref further than in the match zane pushes the ref into the ropes and it knocks bailey off the ropes 
Zane uses the ref's back to hit a top rope Rana on Mike. It was really cool. Zane was just using the referee all night in different ways. And I don't know. I guess it's just unforgettable. I think he wanted to do that on purpose. Here's the last minute. We had fight forever chance as Mike has Alex down. He sets him up for a tornado kick and connects. Zane rolls away before Mike can hit the ultimate weapon. Zane with a final rally, but eventually Mike gets the best of him. He knocks him down long enough to connect with the ultimate weapon, and he gets the pin. Our winner here was Mike Bailey. A hundred percent, I would watch this match again. Easily a main event. The match went 17 minutes, and I could have seen it gone longer. It didn't even feel like 17 minutes. It felt more like maybe the 12 to 14, maybe 13 minute mark. It's just there was so much coming going on. And another reason why I said this felt like a championship match, the crowd came alive. Like the crowd really came alive. It was like it was it was like steps watching them ascend up the steps all night. And um like for them to put this up against the East West match next, just that's a lot of excitement. Yeah, I don't let me talk anymore. I must say I lost <laughs> myself watching this match again while you were talking. I, I, uh, yeah, this match was fun. Alex Zane is so much more improved. Um Okay, I was I was wrong on the Sawyer wreck for the first time we saw okay. her. You were right. That was the first time we saw her was Planet Death in GCW. Planet Death. Okay. okay. You were right. And it wasn't against Slade, wasn't against Bam Sullivan, but those two uh, did Orin. go against each other at that Planet Death. So that's why I was like, ah, that's not right. nope. Uh he's he's not a, he's not around often, that's for damn sure, whoever it was. Brandon Catal. I mean Kirk. Brandon no Kirk. Shit, really? Bo- board of fuckery match. He... He broke her into GCW. Yeah, first, the right her way. first match in GCW. I I didn't know that was her first match. I thought we'd seen her on JCW before, and we didn't see her till, on JCW till after a couple GCW. So her second GCW wow. match, against, JCW, right? No, no, her second GCW match was against. Oh, Lee. okay. So I didn't was against Lee. I was right. Properly. I was right. It was. Damn, I was half dangerous. Right. I was wrong. I was wrong, <laughs> I but I was half right. Wow, did I? Uh, i was like yeah that's dangerous um uh, wow yeah that was the best match i'd ever seen like if someone said please show me a sawyer wreck match i'd actually show him that one that was i think there was a good one with ali catch too uh her match against joey i really enjoyed too but i don't know Mm. how much of that was joey but she stepped up and did everything she needed to do to get that was her that was her coming out party chokeslam and joey off the top rope Oh, uh, trust me, Joey's totally part of it. I th- I, if anything, we've learned Joey is totally yeah, a part oh, for of sure, for sure. Everything he definitely wanted to put her over. That's for sure. Yeah, I I didn't know that was uh that was pretty crazy though. I was kind of damn. My memories. How come I can't remember shit like I remember GCW wrestling? Like I, it I happens. Just, it just drives me nuts. I wish my dude. I don't even know what I ate yesterday. Ugh. Well, see, I'm. Good. Oh yeah, I did. It was my son's birthday. Uh, <laughs> shout out, happy Texas birthday, house. Happy birthday, baby wolf! I fucking love you, bro. Uh I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, I was gonna say like I didn't forget. Like that's the things I don't forget is GCW and uh, food, and that's why I like Alex Zank, GCW <laughs> and Taco Bell. And Taco Bell is my number Taco one. Bell. So no, that's I, where I might head after this. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. I have to piggyback oh, yeah. off you though, and I, I I was saying it too. Like I I thought this match was fantastic. I I I if it, I'll be my match tonight was by Kingo Commander. You could give me that match tonight tomorrow every other day and i'm gonna absolutely enjoy that match and it delivered in this night too but if that match was on the card this was easily the match tonight this was high like i i don't want to sound derogatory and i hate when i kind of say this it was high level 
like the level of quality of wrestling and match that we saw at this match was the highest of the night. No disrespect to anyone else, but they, these two were just on yeah, another level yeah. together and they gelled so good. As you said, I thousand percent wanted to see this one ran back almost real fast. Speedball, I he, he is on another level right now himself. So is Alex Zane. And I, I this was a this was like felt like one of those nights was too a perfect connection, perfect time. Everything connected like it was just meant to be this match and it connected and I'm glad to see it for both competitors too. I I as you said, if this was a match, let's say this was like a main event for a title match, holy shit, that would have been incredibly like even more everyone would have been more invested this would have even been more incredible than what it was but uh big shout out uh speedball and alexane for this match because killer 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 match of the night i take a story invest at three i would i want a story i want to see these two feuds somehow like i i like stories like it just always involves like it always makes everyone involved and uh the fans get more invested in it i i think it involves like it helps out the product and like you don't have to have even a title for the like Gresham and Speedball had that best of three, as we said. They had that best of three, and then turned into a best of ten or best of seven on top of it in Impact. And yeah, I love this match. It was fun. And but you can now notice the ropes even more. I don't know if you uh note noticed it. Um, like the ropes are really bad now. And like I was getting, I wrote my notes. Yeah. I'm like, please, someone fix the ropes before Vikingo Commander. Also, you would hear every now and then when there was a big impact, you hear a squeak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, you know, the, the, yep, the ropes squeak squeaking. Yep. That- yeah, uh-huh. we've heard that before. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, we've uh, yeah, we've heard that over here before in Vegas. Um, <laughs> the GCW tag team match was, uh, like I said, a real surprise right after having such an exciting match that we just had. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, easy hindsight to go back and put this in a different spot, that the middle match, but you think about it, that's the first half. Started the first half of the night is a speedball Zane, so it set the pace for the, the, how the rest of the night was going to go. I, I like, I agree with you too. It's like, that's a tough act to follow though. It's kind of like one of those, oh, steal, yeah. it's like one of those steal the show matches, but nobody, I, I mean, I, I thought it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be steal the show. Good. Good fucking point. man. But that does lead us into our next matchup of the evening as it is for the GCW tag team titles, the East West express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne defend the titles against the workhorsemen of Anthony Henry and JD Drake. And I, I like this matchup is I love the, the veteran tag team against this young team. I, I, I love it. And I, and Anthony, I, uh, when Anthony Henry went one-on-one with Jordan, I think I said, I wanted to see this as a tag match during that podcast. Because Anthony Henry really delivered uh, in his match against um, Jordan too, and holy shit, I want to say that match was at center stage as well. So I'll look that up while you do your uh, review. So uh, I'll give you a little bit here, real quick. So Work Horsemen were out first. I love their ring gear; it looks professional. JD Drake is somebody I've been talking about for a while. He breathes WCW NWA Crockett vibes. If you ever watch somebody from like 1987, take a picture. You can see Drake easily fitting in with that era. Um, Anthony Henry, he's fantastic. The last time we seen him was Hope to Die on August 20th, 2022 at center stage where he lost an awesome match to Jordan Oliver. I just caught Before that, that right? Oh right? my God. I actually dug into it. It's so funny because we're on that vibe. Again, I dug into this one. Um, the last time we seen him before that, uh, hope oh. to die was Bloodsport two versus Zachary Wentz. 
See, now everyone's going to think I'm cheating now looking at you. Like, they, they're no, going to be like, no, oh, he's no. celebrating. I did not even see that in your notes when I said it out no. loud. <laughs> I literally no. typed B, it up. B really doesn't bullshit. He doesn't really bullshit with that stuff. So. I can multitask, but I can't read and talk and listen at the same time. I can only do two of the two or two of the three. <laughs> I can't speak. So, so I'm kind of high again on the workhorseman again because I'm big on JD Drake, but both of them look dangerous individually. Anthony Henry is fucking dangerous on his own. So this tag team is one of those ones where um, old school, they would definitely always be a threat in some way. East West came out fucking hot running around the ring. Like they always do again. It's like rock and roll express kind of vibes going on. Fans fucking love them. They both have so much going for them again. This is where I wish we could get the younger crowd in because these guys are that younger group. Not only that, but they're fucking fantastic to watch. Um, I always say it. I will always say it. Please enjoy them. These guys are going places. It's only a matter of time. At some point soon, the team will need to split as both will go their own way. I hope so, they turn that into a story. I, I, that is, uh, that's so easy. I, I ain't going to cry, am I? Because uh, it feels like this might be the first time I cry at GCW. It, but I mean, I, I just don't, don't want—I just don't <laughs> want to wake up one morning and then like, we don't ever see Nick again, and then like they drop the ball yeah. there. Like hopefully, there's given some notice, or they could start. I—I I, I think I've been saying it. I wanted them to win and defend it for a while, but with I know Nick Wayne coming up here, I wanted to see them maybe start to kind of tease uh, the dissension. I think that might start happening with whenever they do lose the belts. I think you could see like there's going to be some sort of miscommunication that leads to arguments and I could see a fun story that they could keep on going with those two. So let's just say everything moves ahead. He does his thing. The other does his thing. Follow me. The East West express may go down as the best tag team that barely had a chance to fully fly. Uh, that, yeah, when I, mean, I say there were less it. than 20 matches together before 21, maybe together at that yeah. point. So maybe they're at 25, 26, 27 now. And look how, fluid and as much chemistry like, i forgot who uh, you know we uh, called this shit as a tag team way beforehand we've got first all time. this on fucking audio the first time we saw Every it I, I was i don't know if I, the first time they did it on my podcast i told my wife i was like those two could work together <laughs> and you know what it you know what made me think that i saw them both throw like left-handed forearms i was like oh they're both lefties they're both in sync like i don't know yeah. why that's what made me yeah. start thinking that they could start working together as a tag team from the very first time I saw them. And it went, might not even been a tag team match. I think it was a scramble where I saw those two work together uh, in the scramble. And I said that in a scramble match, I think, to my wife. I, I even know I said it to my wife because I was watching it with her. But dude, I think we have it, it all on recording. Match, right? We've been saying it. We have one of this. We recording. called all the dude. I called the rock and roll fucking express. Yeah, you call that one. We we uh, months, if not weeks before anything was even. Yeah, before we saw the, the we asked for matching gear. And like two weeks later, we saw it in Japan, which was cool. And if uh, uh, it's the red colors, which I like too. Yeah, because I told him I was talking about their youth. I was talking about the Rock and Roll Express vibes. I was talking about the whole thing. And then, then they got thrown together eventually. Then in Japan, here comes the red and white, which is beautiful. Tassels. Yeah. All the fucking tassels, the cut up 80s shirts, I, the whole vibe. And it's beautiful. It really works. It, it, I don't know. Maybe it was just an uncanny thing where I pulled out of the air. Well, or someone, no one definitely told me that. Like no, no backstage you love, bullshit told me that. Uh, you love the, uh, I love the fucking eighties and yeah. I love the midnight express. You love the midnight love express. The rock and roll exactly. Express. Like you said, they, they, they could easily kind of do that tag team and the tassels is part yeah. of them. So that's a, just an easy uh, connection there. 
Uh, yeah, I really think that they may historically go down as a team where you and I, 20 years from now, might look back on that and be like, oh, man, they had so much potential. Yeah, but I'm kind of like, they kind of ruined my like, my opinion. I think this is where I, because I, I love these two as a talent. I love them as a tag team. But I think just because Jordan and Nick gelled so well together that my viewpoint of the Wasted Youth is kind of way down than I kind of think it should. I know it should be for me because I do love those two as a team. And I think they will be fine as a tag team they're both young and they still need time to gel but just seeing as fast as those two gelled and like the first time i really like knew that they were special was that little sequence they did against los macisos at the ucc center and literally every move to the flying out of the ring to the jumping off the ropes as you said was so in sync with each other it was just nuts to see that sync uh Synchricity, whatever that word is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Synchricity at such a young stage at that point. I think that was match five. If I'm going, if I'm going up on memory, when we talked about this before, was it was match five, and they just showed how well they are in sync with each other, and that's just a special thing. Where wasted youth and any other tag team in the world, no matter your age, it's going to take time to get that. But those two just got it right away. Yeah, the timing's absolutely perfect. It's funny watching them cut up their shirts. I've noticed, I don't know if you noticed, but even Tony Deppen, he came out in like a cut up shirt at one point. Uh-huh. So I think everybody's kind of having fun with it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he lost a bet and he's just doing it, you know, or maybe he's just having an 80s moment because it works too, especially if you have abs or he's trying to show himself off, you know, he'll, <laughs> he'll have a little, you know, um, the work horseman refused to shake hands like a bag of dicks right from the beginning. The match opened with Jordan and Henry showing off their talents. Wayne came in around minute two on Drake. Drake was working his loudmouth Southern style. I absolutely loved it. Drake was playing an awesome big man. He was taking slaps from Wayne like it doesn't even affect him. I'm hearing JD chants from the fans. This was definitely Drake country. Anthony Henry gets an isolated. He gets isolated at one point and he gets basically eats a plethora of tag team moves that leaves Henry defenseless for quite a while minute five and it goes to the floor and it stays out there for several minutes around the same time the rules of the match were basically being barely being followed if any at all i noticed that east west matches follow more of the tag rules than most matches the faces work better with rules in places and so the elimination creates struggles i kind of get into that just for a moment again the faces work better if the tag rules are in place. The limitations create struggle. That struggle is important for faces. And it creates so, the hot tag. Yes, and these things are wonderful for faces. The East-West does a lot of this really, really well. And when they're not using those rules, they're breaking them, and here comes all the tag team moves they do. So there's excitement one way or the other. There's a lot of stuff going on here, man. These guys have... Like they have something they could have fucked around, did like they're on some Jeff Hardy shit. If they like the Hardy boys kind of shit, if they keep up with the tag moves, it's hard to get on the brother level, but they're, they're really, they remind me of brothers. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they spend like a lot brothers. Of, and they spend a lot of time on the road with each other from what I gather, what I see on social media for what I heard from, uh, just seen and heard from, uh, other talent and, uh, people close to them, um, that, like they're always together, so of course they're maybe they will start to not be brothers or whatever. But like they, we kind of see that big brother, little brother aspect sometimes when Nick's getting beat up. Jordan just loses his shit and goes after him. Like the last time we saw it, uh, the first time I ever saw it in Vegas when he shot on Gringo, like I thought he was shooting on Gringo. I thought he was beating Gringo's <laughs> ass. I told my wife like, 
like what the fuck's going on she's like is that planned i'm like i don't know like it looks like he was beating his ass but i do like that aspect of i'm always going to protect you or it's like jordan will go in and take the ass kicking instead of nick i i just enjoy that um with them as a tag team did you notice i never heard this uh the, the they now have a name for nick wayne's clout cutter um yeah they named it a couple weeks ago i forget now wayne's world the- yeah, he's taking that to uh he's gonna be taking that to AEW for sure. Uh, I just that's what that's for. That was like the first time I actually like really heard it and uh caught it. Uh, once you said that I said that a couple of weeks ago, I was like, Yeah, maybe it was on uh, your notes that you said it, but first time I actually heard yeah. it and re- I remembered it. Well, I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm not gonna lie, there was a nice scent pun from JD Drake that I thought was fantastic. Um he yells young dumb, fuck him as he beats up on Oliver. I thought that was great. As a team, the workhorsemen seem to be really a true struggle for the East West. And it's really interesting to see East West struggle because we're so wrapped up in the excitement and this and that, that the match can slow down and get really nasty. Um, the, the, we can, they can pull sympathy is the best way I can maybe try to put it there. I like seeing Drake getting respect because again, I'm a fan and I don't feel like he gets enough. So when he's in home territory or as close to home territory as he can be, it's really nice to see him getting those chairs. Fans really love watching East West do their tag team moves. They're always exciting and have a heavy impact. Look, this is in my notes. It's so funny. The 15 minute mark shit really picks up. GCW chants are coming from the crowd. It was crazy watching Drake do a backwards flip from the top rope. It's um, if you've never seen it before, just watch Big Van Vader. Well, uh, he missed it, though, and East West take advantage by teaming up on Drake and pick him apart piece by piece. The East West eventually hit the double clout cutters for the win. Our winners then East West Express. I can't talk about it enough. It was a great showing by the workhorsemen, as I feel they gave East West some of the best competition so far. I would love to see it back. And again, Always a treat watching the East West, the fan favorites. Enjoy them, please, as long as you can. Get gear, get merch, get pictures, get signatures. Have them fucking date it. It's going to be worth it, I feel, in the long run. Yeah, that was, like I just said, tough test. I think the one match I really like to see ran back, especially now, because they had that match so early in their careers. I mean, mm-hmm. still now, it's still young. The Aussie Open match that they had in Chicago was pretty fun, too. I would like to see that tag team uh, go against... Uh, East West Express again. That was my first time seeing Aussie Aussie Open. Oh yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah, they're oh man, they're, they're ever improving too. Like they're top quality tag team, but there's like every time I see them, I see new good shit, and I enjoy it. I'm trying to see. I forgot um who that tag team coming up uh, the next time t te- next tag team title match uh for the East West Express. I believe it's a I know it's a triple threat tag match. Oh here we go. Yep, I was uh. Against the Motor City Machine Guns and Los Macisos. That is Saturday night. Uh, that's going to be a fun matchup, too. Wow. Nice to see Motor City Machine Guns uh, still coming back. Though. Oh, it's in Detroit, too. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, that's where <laughs> yep. I really hope they would run. Like They maybe could have saved like the rematch just for one-on-one against the Motor City Machine Guns in Detroit. You know, for me, I think it would be cool if they call themselves the Kings of Detroit or some shit like that. Every time you roll through Detroit... You got to come through the Kings of Detroit. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Something fun. Like if they try to, they need to own their territory. They're already doing the Michigan thing. You know, they got their hand up. They're pointing at the, you know that that's what that yeah. is, right? Okay, cool. Uh, some people do and some people don't. It's really funny. Um, yeah, they could do something where they're the Kings of Detroit or they're the Kings of Michigan or they're the Kings of this fucking area. And you need to pay homage if, to the King if you come through. And 
you know, I don't know, maybe every now and then they just kick the shit out of a tag team for fun. That that's gonna be a fun match. Actually, um, it's probably the match I'm looking forward to the most on Saturday night. I was just going back and looking at that card. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a, another fun uh, title defense for the East West Express. Our eighth matchup of the evening is a tag team match, as it is Matt Cardona and Steph Delander going against Los Macizo, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo. I have to say, the shit that Cardona and Steph have been doing on Twitter is the fucking most yes. thing ever. But that's like that's why I love about Cardona. That's why I'm glad he's doing this because I've also been saying this like when people say they go, oh, they can't build feuds and they can't really do stories on independence. Like all it takes is do it that two three minute video, create the story. Mason is perfect at it right now. Like I'm so glad he's getting the success too, and because that's just such an easy thing to do to progress a story further your characters and go along and Cardona and Steph are doing some funny ones though online. It's hysterical watching dude shooting half that shit on his phone. Yeah. Not even like a professional, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think they have like a person like with them, but they just or a GoPro for, for, or something, three right? minutes, like hook up with their friend, do something for three minutes and boom, like even Everett Connors little thing in his car, even though they were kind of stupid and yeah. simple, but they were funny. And guess what? It got him over. That's why he was popular. It's something easy and simple like that. Just do it something towards your character and make it make sense. Instead of having it be enforced like Jordan used to do a lot of them. But uh, when he was back home in New York, like outside of his house, cutting promos for VXS. I love those kind of things. Uh, you know what? Those are fun to go back and look at now because it's like little Jordo, <laughs> the, you know, and he's talking shit. It's kind of kind of funny to see you know oh, dude, I was everybody watching, comes from somewhere i was watching the original gcw days from jordan and he was talking shit and getting his ass whipped like it is crazy seeing they're like yeah how bad how bad he was hated then to how loved he is now it's pretty uh fun and fun and crazy to see i feel like we helped a little bit because you know like you're pro jordan from day one and we're on here talking you know and, and it's like and then i'm starting to watch i'm like oh yeah you know what and i start to see what you see and we've kind of agreed on that since shit episode ten or something. Because and he's improved so much once you since pointed I saw it out. Him, like since I saw him, like I didn't think he was great though. But I was like, man, that's like a great young like blue chip talent there. Like that was my first like when I saw GCW like and that's like I said that was my introduction really to independent wrestling was that and like he was my first the first one I saw like he has a future in the business like that night I saw it, it was crazy the. The three months before he started posting online, the fact that he was really getting serious about his body was when I started to see the work in ring step up. And then it never stopped from there. I mean, it's really nice to look at him now and go, okay, he still has, we still haven't seen the ceiling yet. And all the things we said too, like we, he did approve, like the, we said, like he has got like just the body, like he worked on the body a little bit and he's in like incredible shape now working out with Nick Gage. Uh, I think I said his facial reactions, like he, like sometimes it didn't yep. really matter. But like now, like, as you said, going into the tag match, him and Nick, like it adds so much more to the match, the emotions and the facial reactions, uh, to get the crowd behind them and, um, his strikes. I said he needed to be a little bit more stiffer with the strikes. Sometimes they look a little soft in the punches. And like I said, now mm -hmm. it looks like he's full on shooting on Gringo Loco. So he has improved in everything I, I thought he should improve him, but like, I'm just a fucking fan. I don't. I'm nobody like nothing, but like, I just, as a wrestler that I would like to kind of see, and I think he could kind of grow into that would help him improve. He's done that. And by 10 times more than I ever thought could happen, especially this fast. I got one for you. I've got a real good one for you. I appreciate the fact that 
when he become a cha- when he became a champion, he decided to start dressing serious. like a champion. Yep. Take it serious. Like he takes the shit serious. Of all the GCW champions, I don't know if I saw one that out in public or it shows after everything's said and done. Motherfucker slips into a nice suit and looks good. Kind of feel I'm like he's trying to play like that. a little that's Cody, the effort. like the Cody Rhodes, like that. They, that's what's setting him apart right now. Like he's looking the part. I think he's just to trying to be a champion. A company. No, that's what I'm saying. Like Cody Rhodes oh, is doing okay, the job I got to look like as the face of a company. I'm not saying Jordan's trying to copy him. I'm just saying like Jordan's no. kind of looked like he's taking that upon himself. It's like yeah, like hey, if I want to be the. I cut you off early. Oh no, you're good. Like if you want to be the was. face of the, you want to be the face of a company like Jordan's showing and looking like it. I know it kind of sounds weird with like the the out mud lot. Oh my god outlaw mud shows and gcw's kind of persona and how they're kind of perceived but i like how brett's as we kind of talk about it's kind of changing kind of the perception and some of the matches and the stylistic stuff with gcw and up in the production level and kind of treating it as we kind of we go back to the beginning of this episode treating it as a business and he's trying to do what's best for business and i'm not saying he even told jordan but like maybe jordan's like seeing the vision too and hey i want to be the face of the company i'm going to I'm the champion. I'm going to show that, hey, I I deserve to be GCW champion, not just JCW. And, like, it's just him owning it. Like, it would be very weird seeing Vance Warner in a three-piece suit walking around with the title belt. I'm just, like, not saying, like, what he, if no one that does it, I just think I'm just correlating it to, like, Cody Rhodes, kind of how he's fitting the bill right Right. now. No, what I was saying was I cut you off early because what you were saying as I was talking actually changed everything I was oh. thinking about what you said because I thought you were thinking light code and then you were basically saying no it's more like someone who's taking the role serious they're dressing up for the part they're you know like John Cena would do he would he would end eventually you know and that's another thing that's why I think Vince McMahon was big on making sure that everybody was in a suit all the performers were in a suit on their end it was because professionalism and, and it really does matter. And they're trying to make everybody treat themselves like gold. Yeah. And like, I'm just tying it back to the beginning of the podcast. When we talk about business. Like it's kind of hard to hate on Brett for what he's doing and what they're saying. Cause he's doing what's best for business is what he's saying and thinking and look at what it's doing for his business and supposedly making way more money. I'm not, I'm not getting into the money part, but I mean, you got this cool ass deal with fight TV. You have your, uh, your rival companies calling you the number three wrestling promotion like in the world right now, which is like pretty crazy to think about even as well. Like the business end is working for him. So it's kind of hard to hate on what he is doing and the, how you feel is how you feel. And you're entitled to it. Not saying you're wrong or right. And not saying how, what if you, how Brett, you guys say treated you wrong or right. The facts are whatever the facts are. And that's is what it is. But the business aspect and, and like, it's cool to see wrestlers like Jordan uh doing that like i think i've seen like not alex like I, I think it was alec price was a little bit more dressed up or uh uh looking a lot less casual more like you said like professional quote-unquote professional business attire um than i've ever seen I, I i could be wrong on alex price I, that's just the name that's coming to my mind it's collective weekend so i apologize it's a fucking well, lot of wrestlers a lot of shit going on but like you could kind of Alex, tell. another one just waiting to come on the show once we get everything together. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of good improvements over the summer here. Um, I'll probably we're going to have to start calling in those those favors on interviews because we've got a we've got a lot we can call in. Yeah, for sure. Once we get YouTube, we'll definitely get all that going. Okay, well, <laughs> all damn, that tag man. team talking uh, that will lead us as we say. And then here comes another tag. Yeah, team. we already did the introduction stuff, but I don't know how we got carried off. But this was a fun. No, match. that's okay. I like the. 
I like the whole story and not really the whole in-ring stuff, but everything around the entertainment part of this match, it was great, and I loved seeing it. Okay, so speaking of story, take it easy, man. Relax. Anybody else who has to, get a drink. I took a lot of notes in this match because Matt Cardona has a flair for telling a story, and I tried to take as many notes as I could during So, Steph Delander first was out to booze. I'm going to say it again. I love her fucking size. She could be a women's champion, and I wouldn't complain over in GCW. I just think she needs to come over here and cut her teeth and show the GCW fans what she's capable of before we see her as the credible threat that she's trying to show herself as right now. Matt comes out behind her, and the boo machine gets cranked up to 11. The birds are flying everywhere. The fans are fucking motherfucking him and fuck you left and right. He's wearing a deathmatch king crown and cape. I fucking love him. They have matching gear. I just realized SDL and Matt did. Uh, he goes up to the ring steps and shits on them because they looked all rickety and fucked up. I thought that was funny as hell. I think he needs to just keep completing the Macho King outfit more and more because I really love it. Again, ever since you said it, I'm with it. Steph DeLander is totally doing Sherry Martell's work. I, she's doing it all in the best of ways, too. If anyone else is seeing this, please say something online because I cannot be, we cannot be, or I maybe can't be the, no, there was two of us. You and me can't be the only ones that believe that she's doing Sherry Martell work out there. No, I, I've seen other people say too. Like, I'm not saying like I okay, came up good. with that. Like someone mentioned that, and I was like, "Holy shit, that is absolutely correct." Like I did, totally. I'm not the one who came up with that. I saw it, and I was like, "That is a great point there." So here we go. Speaking of, this is totally some Sherry Martell shit. Some scary Sherry. Uh, Steph grabs the mic, tells everyone to Lander and Cardona is a great team. Bussy looks like shit. Maki Death Kill looks like shit. Los Macisos that's about to come out from behind the curtain over there looks like shit. She says they're the best tag team in GCW. Cardona then goes ahead and grabs the mic off of her. All hail the death match king. So uh, he said that they got together and they're the best tag team in the world right now. He says Los Macisos are shit. They are Los motherfuckers. He dethroned Nick Gage mdk chants from the crowd because they did not like hearing that he says fans can yell all they want nick isn't here tonight shut the fuck up chance for coming from the crowd as cardona's getting the heat that he wants i i honestly appreciate the amount of time that cardona segments are given i just wanted to kind of just mention that in passing because i didn't time it but boy is he taking up a chunk and totally worth it Masisos come out to the slick and nasty gear. I'm thinking it's something that they might be promoting. They walk out like they have a job to do. They're here to kick the shit out of Cardona at minimum. They hit the ring and Team Cardona and Delander scurry out of the ring like rats like they always do. So I just wanted to let you know I had some possible names for the Cardona Steph Delander team if you want to kind of humor me for a second here. Are you ready? I have Carlander, Carter, Mastiff. I have Decardo Lander, Dedonna, Cardander, Steph, Delandonna, and my favorite is uh, Cookie and Sprinkles, I think. So I took a little time on a late night, and that's what I came up with. So I think my favorite was how Cardander. Late, how late of a night was it? <laughs> enough to come up with a, with a word like Decardo Lander or Dedonna. I like Dedonna. I like Dedonna. I about to say was my favorite of all those. Carlander. Who the, okay, yeah. So, Dedonna. uh, our Mastiff, 
M-A-S-T-E-P-H. So Matt and Steph, the Mastiff. I thought that was kind of cool. That came out of it too, the dog. Um, the match starts as Cardona is still drawing heat. Macisos are trying to pull it back in with cheers from fans. Matt with his usual stalling tactics going in and out of the ring. Delander was in for all of about 30 seconds early on. She ran her mouth and ate a super kick from Miedo. Uh, Cardona wants the mic again. He doesn't get one. He gets in the ring instead. He offers a handshake to Miedo and um, he attempts to boot and gets caught by Miedo. And this happens a lot for for uh, Cardona to keep trying to pull that trick over and over. He's got to kind of mix it up a little because it seems like a lot of the people he's pulling it on are pretty keen to it. Early on, Cardona and Delander threaten to leave. They get stopped by Los Macisos as the action goes outside around the five-minute mark. Macisos makes them pay for trying to leave. His chair shots everywhere. Miedo with an awesome dive from the stage onto everyone. The fans were freaking loving it. The match went into the ring at the uh, eight-minute mark, and Cardona was showing some offense somehow, especially after eating all those chair shots. Minute 10, Cardona pushed Delander, um, which knocks her off the rope and out of action for a small amount of time. This is where Los Macisos took over momentarily until Cardona pulled Adam Galt into the way of Miedo. Cardona then goes to do a move, and Adam got hit with it. That's when shit broke down and Los Macisos took over. Miedo puts Matt on his shoulders while Ciclope hits the Doomsday Destroyer. Macisos got a solid six count, but there was no ref. Delander hits double low blows on both Macisos brothers, and Matt grabs Miedo for the pin, but only gets two. Now we're into the closing minute here. So Matt pulls out a door and two chairs. He makes a bridge. That door, to me, from just the eyeball test, was thicker than usual. Miedo blocks Ciclope from getting put through the door, and Cardona ends up being sent through the door instead. Miedo brings out a huge light tube bundle, and then he swings. Matt moves, and he accidentally hits Ciclope instead. Steph does a low blow on Miedo, and Cardona rolls him up for three. So our winners in this one were Matt Cardona and Steph Delander. Wow. Um, Cardona's back. Did you see he had a bunch of run- blood running down it? Oh, yeah. He shit? bleeds good whenever he bleeds. He's, bleed- he's yeah. a bleeder. You know, that's, you know what, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, he's a bleeder, too. I, I really like that. Um, I'll, I'm not going to go any further yet. Uh, go ahead and give me what you think about this match, and then I'll kind of go into what happens. So, afterwards. Uh, I don't know, weird thought. I was just thinking about, like, Los Pacisos have been losing a lot lately. I don't know the exact stats, but, like, it feels like they've been losing a lot lately. And it kind of feels with both of them being in the TOS uh, tournament, those are my two favorites. Those are, like, I'm absolutely rooting for those two. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I wonder if that's going to lead to like a little story of like, hey, now since they're struggling as a tag team, maybe branching off as singles. And I said in Deathmatch, something I've been saying the last couple, well, probably the two months maybe, um, saying like I would like happen. I wonder if that's actually kind of like come, going to come to fruition or uh, like I love a bit of the TOS tournament because like those, they're awesome. Like they were awesome in the NGI too as well. Um, I hope mm-hmm. they kind of go far. One of my, I, I think I've said one of my favorite TOSs and my one of my favorite matches ever in GCW. And first time I ever saw these two was against each other in one of the deathmatch tournaments. I, I don't think it was TOS, but I think that'd be cool if that's like the finals is those two against each other. Like I will mark out so much if that's the case, because I think that's a dream thing. But that tells a cool story and it rewards both of them for all. They said they've come up close to a year. It feels like they've been in GCW longer than a year. Like, do they come right after we started the podcast? Like, wow. Uh, yeah. Actually, they did. Really? Wow. So, it feels like they yeah, feel like it's been why. longer, but that's how much they've been here's, working, and we've been saying that too. So here's why I remember that. 
I used their intro back into GCW as the reason why I felt the GCW should have promo videos before matches. Yeah, because I thought that it made. Oh, I remember. No, better than that. What it was was I was using them as an example to say that we should have video packages or maybe a match or two from old times during that 15 to 20 minute intermission. So instead of someone who may be alone in the middle of the night just waiting to watch and they're waiting 20 minutes, they could maybe watch an old Los Macisos match. Like, Holy shit, this guy's so about to can... wrestle against exactly. me. Like, I'm right there. I'm picturing it and seeing it right now. It's like, that. that is the perfect example. Of like, why? And, and, and it is. And I, the reason why I say that is because when they first came out, I'm like, who the fuck are they? And you were like all over it. You're like, Los Macisos. I can't, I'm so happy they're back. They're great. It took me uh, maybe the third match or so. And I remember getting on here and going, I saw everything you finally said about them. And I totally get it. And I'm I'm still pro Los Macisos all the way. Yeah. Love them. Uh, um, the minute I had a chance to talk to them, I'm like, and and they're not English people. You know what I mean? They're not, yeah. they're not good with English. They, I reached you know, out. Cool. I, I, re- I, th- I reached out on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, he said, like, oh, like he, that's why I'm like bringing up his one year. Cause like, was it in about, Spanish or in English? Uh, I think it was in English. I can't remember to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do remember him translate tweet on something. Maybe it was like one of the <laughs> something. I don't know. I do a lot of wrestling. Um, so where was I going saying? Oh, so he was supposed to say like, was, this is yeah. like the one year coming up here. And like, I have so many great stories, so much great time. You're going to hear, hear it in my words. Coming to come here in my words soon, and I was like, "Oh, we would love to talk about it on the podcast if you're interested." It's like something to that effect. Yeah, so like I would absolutely. Yeah, I thought you wrote them. that. Yeah, like so that'd be pretty wow. cool. I just think that'd be a cool story for TOS. Like that—that's my well, dream for TOS. If I was booking TOS somehow, like somehow those two are in the finals, go fucking nuts because that they, they've earned it. They deserve that moment to just like create history and and I, I, see. Now, what's the last podcast? Is the show boat's done then? Like, are they using the carousel yeah, room for TOS or no? No. If you go on Joey Janela's page, it's already, they, already they got pictures. Have part okay, of yeah, it yeah, that's what I thought. That sucks. So, that would be a great way to just for end you TOS. Like, uh, a great way to send out the carousel room. Great way to end they TOS. They tried. But I think it'd be a great Modern way to start a new tried. one. Yeah, he definitely did. I think they may be a new way to start a new era in the AC Center with those two. Like, what better finals? Like, I'm sorry. Like, what better finals are you going to get? As I saw with those two, go back and watch. If you got fight TV, go back. If not, do the trial. I'll, I'll, I can try looking up real fast while I'm talking. But they went against each other. One of the NGIs or TOSs, and that was my first time ever seeing them ever on GCW. Like, not I didn't see it live back then, but going back and rewatching my watch along, and that was the damnedest match I've ever seen. Like, they're hitting each other with fucking bricks. They're beating, they're living shit out of each other, doing the craziest moves with light tubes and like dangerous angles and stuff. And then after the match, like they love, we hug each other. The fans are going crazy raise each other's hands and like they like hit each other with light tubes and fall on them and show how much they love like this shit and like that's why i was like those are gcw that's that is gcw yep. they are the heart and soul i think right now other than nick gage and joey janelle and other like of gcw when they came back i was so excited so i got one for you and i think i might do this during i don't know the next day to week i think we should challenge ourselves no draft no draft we should just each put together a 10 match show anybody you'd like uh that's been in gcw kind of thing and just you put together your book however you like i'll put ever mine however i like and we'll just see what comes out and who comes out i think that would be interesting yeah it wouldn't take long either maybe take an hour or so for us just to talk about our cards who won why yeah 
That, anyway, that, that was a fun anyway. though. That was fun during the draft. Oh yeah, that yeah. I think we'll have to pull that out again if there's dead time and we're caught up, and we'll pull out another draft again because those that was kind of fun. And like I said, half my roster is gone, so we'll have to do. Yeah, it was a bad. My roster was just not not. Yeah, there's too many people that are gone now. Um, sorry, I I got interject real fast. Uh-huh, I, uh, uh-huh. I said I'd look up to the people like you want to see why I want Mado and. C Club and why I loved them and why I think they should be the TOS finals. It's TOS three. They okay. were in the finals. C Clope won TOS three in, in a 17 minute death match. And C Clope and that and just that TOS went to Nick Gage, Alex Cologne, and in the finals, his brother Miedo. Like that wow. that's an incredible like that's it. And the story, five years later, TOS eight, it's 2018, 2023, five years later, five year, run it back. They're back. Like, I think that'd be such a cool story. And I think they, those two have earned it. Like that just spot and that history and that moment. I don't know. Sorry. I'm you want to know something funny? Shit. No, no, no. You want to know something funny that here's why I know Spanish, right? It was Spanish for both of them. Um, well, first of all, anytime we've ever gotten anything from them saying thank you or whatnot, it was always in Spanish. But like I said, I had that cotton candy and it was infused and I was trying to give them some. And I'm like trying to figure out Spanish words. So I just held it out to him and I said, Mota, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. I said, Mota, and they both look at each other and they're like looking at it and he opens it up and he pulled it out for a second, like the blue part of the cotton candy. And he goes, Mota? I go, see, see, see. He's like, no, no, no. And then Emil <laughs> comes over. He goes, they don't, they don't really do that stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, they were like stupefied. They're like, how is this yeah. Mota? Because it was cotton candy. Yeah. Yeah, so the, anyway, that's kind of a funny story. So the bell rings, and then about 30 seconds later, the bell rings. Nick Gage comes out. He's in the fucking building. Carlona, Cardona and Delander, uh, Cardander runs away into the crowd. He calls Cardona a deathmatch pussy. People start calling him a deathmatch pussy, and that's how you make a catchphrase, kids. People start chanting it, and Matt starts threatening people in the crowd. It's very interactive for the fans and fun to watch at home. He is a full show on his own. I think that's the best way I can really put Matt Cardona. You don't even have to give him anything. He'll come up with it on his own. His imagination is top-notch. Gage challenges Cardona and the lander for a match anytime and anywhere. He throws a ton of respect at Los Macisos. Miedo grabs the mic. And it's MDK all fucking day. The music plays. Gage says he does this for everyone in the crowd. He meets some fans and he hits the curtain. That's what happened afterwards. So we have a little bit of a challenge here. They didn't mention a time. And he said he's going to take on both of them. So I have a feeling that's Maki death kill, possibly. Because Steph did call him out early and said they were shit. Yeah. I, I don't want to get into it now because like I'll go on and I know we're running late here and uh, we got yeah. to put two more matches but I'm we got I'm making a note now uh, my whole Cardona has to be champ I don't think anyone like right now deserves to be champ more than Cardona I think for GCW for a lot of reasons well, that's but, a, uh, you want to know a heat you want to know a heat getter steamroll Masha I, I keep saying this this is so sad but yeah steamroll masha go out there and be like i don't give a fuck who it is that was your champion i fucking steamrolled your champion hail the new death that's you know yeah. go through the whole thing not only am i a king i'm a champion yeah and then, oh my god he, yeah. I, he that's right collecting I belts yep i think that's where it should be but uh i'll leave that for another time well i mean we don't know i mean we're in the middle of a book always <laughs> we don't know how the story really ends yeah especially with the way it's been kind of acting out too 
Uh, match number nine is a six-person tag match, as it is Thrussy, Alley Catch, Dark Sheik, and Effie going against Team Gringo, Ares, Gringo Loco, and Jack Cartwheel. And I always love the trio of Ares, Gringo, and Jack. And it's, that's always entertaining. And once again, tonight definitely was. Those three click. Uh, I just, I want to see more trios matches. Like, I love, like, I love the scrambles. I love the six-person, seven-person, eight-person. But I also love, like, when it's a three versus three, especially when it's like the Lucha styles, because those are always killer. And uh, this was this was another fun one, too. Before I go too far, I wanted to say something about Cardona that I think is 100% important. Cardona posted on Twitter. I'm just going to mention it momentarily here that he said, listen, there is no reason why you wrestlers should be back in the locker room before and after a show. You're supposed to be out there selling merch, interacting with the fans taking pictures, signing autographs. He says, if you're back there and you don't have anything going on backstage, like why the fuck are you back there? Like all your money is laying out there. And I just wanted to touch on this quickly to say, I agree with him a hundred percent. I've become bigger fans from the ones who spend time talking to him. Yep. It matters. Yep. I'm that's the exact same way, man. Like everyone I've talked to, like, I, I'm, I'm going to root for you a little bit harder. Everyone's been cool. And like you yes. said, like just interacting with them and uh, getting to hear like cool, like some news that you shouldn't be hearing, but you got to keep it quiet. And it happens that that that's always like fun and tough. But it's like it's just cool interacting and like they get that trust and you see them a second or third time, fourth time. And it just it becomes fun and more entertaining. They start remembering you and you get to tell cool stories and talk about other shit. Like you said, not wrestling, just like I talked with Tony yeah. Griffin about a freaking cult movie and just because that's part of his merch. And I was like for 20 to 30 yeah. minutes. And that was so cool. Yeah, you know, it's really nice when everybody's treated like people. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the Billy Starks thing. We were talking about that probably a week or two before that got out. I think it was. Went out public yeah. a week or two after we were talking about it. Just some of the stuff you have to hold off on. But, you know, as long as you tell them, hey, not going to say anything. Yep. So uh, Team Gringo was out first. They're entering the area. Yeah, they're entering the area doing moves I can't do right now if I tried. The only way I could try to put that is they're coming to the ring and they're entering the ring in ways that I don't think I could even do now. So their warm up shit is 10 times better than anything I could do. Bussy was out next being super faces, had a good reception. Otters started first with Ali, decent exchange. This was what I was talking about earlier. This form of Ali that we saw in this show is such a better Ali than we've seen lately. And whatever she's doing, the hard work's paying off. Really good exchange between her and Arya. There was a funny spot. Sheik and Cartwheel were out next. Sheik does a split, and Jack follows up with one, kind of showing off, I can do your move too. But then Sheik gets mad, so she decides to do a cartwheel, and Jack is fucking offended. So he starts to shake the ropes all mad. So Sheik then mocks Jack again by performing the kip-up, and it was a nice little back and forth. Gringo and Effie is next. Effie chants from the crowd. Gringo showing some athleticism. Effie doing the uh, I want to kiss you to uh, Gringo, and he's not liking it too much. Uh, Gringo openly complaining, which was comical because we don't really hear him yelling and complaining too much. Team Gringo isolated Effie at one point and took turns working him over. Tag team rules, again, were slightly <laughs> loosely followed, we'll say. Eventually, everything fell back into place. At one point, Arez stretched Effie with a surfboard that I thought was worth mentioning. Allie cleared the ring by attacking everyone with her ass, almost knocking out Gringo. Bussy isolated Jack Cartwheel later in the match, but somehow he fought them all off and they beat on a helpless Allie. 
Sheik had quite a bit of high-flying offense. This was a large part of the match. Da, 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 da. Let's see what else I got here. I literally lost myself for a second here. Oh my gosh. Sheik had quite a bit of high-flying offense in. She was a large part of this match in one way or another. Effie brings in a door in the second half of the match. I feel like there's a door bridge coming. The door bridge, the door bridge was built. Sheik was placed on top. Jack with a huge splash from the top rope onto Sheik. I'm also noticing at this point in my notes that bottom rope was pretty much almost falling off at that point. I don't know when it started because I, you know, but it had to have been match one, two, or three. Match, I, I noticed yep, it match, match two. two. Like, I, that's why I'm on notes. I'm like, someone's better fix that rope because, like I said, Vikingo Commander's coming up, and uh, hopefully that's the main event, which I was thinking it was, but that was, it was like, it looked like the top and the, like the bottom one was like really uh-huh. loose. And I, I've seen the loose ones before, like, and I was like, how is Cole Radrick going to be able to do like his bottom rope stunner and stuff like that? And he didn't even perform it because he had to do the second rope because yeah. you know, the bottom one is like, I, it's pretty crazy. Like how often it's happening lately. Yeah. I don't know what it's about, but yeah, I mean, shit happens too. So you never know. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to McDonald's, that order never is always right either. So, <laughs> uh, so Effie at one point had an awesome double sack rider, Effie chance from the crowd. So our ending here, RS was up Effie with a super sack rider. Sheik then followed up with a huge leg drop, and they cover for three. So our winners here was Thrussy. I would say it was an interesting pair of teams. It was definitely something different for everyone. If you wanted high-flying, it was there. If you wanted to see Effie, he was there. It, was, um, it looked like they all tried to have a lot of fun out there, and I think that's what this was supposed to be. This was a, a feel-good, happy, enjoyable match right before we got this crazy, serious match for the main event. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It was cool seeing Arez and that kind of environment. And like I said, he's been doing all these kind of different types of matches and I've been loving it and still love seeing him back uh, again. Uh, seeing Gringo, whenever he is more talkative and vocal, that's always fun. Uh, more fun Gringo, uh, the more fun version of Gringo as well. And yeah, this was a fun match and Team Thrussy, that was uh, one of the more entertaining matches I've seen them of them lately. I know they've been having really good ones, but I think I really enjoyed that one. I don't know why. Like maybe just because like the different combination with the 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 three was a lot different than what I've seen lately. I don't know. Like I said, I'll I'll go back to it because I just they need to break up the thrusty thing. I think Allie Catch needs to go on her own. Effie is strong enough on his own, and then Sheik will just have to find her way along the process. But um, I think there's two champions in that group, and they need to come out and shine. Yeah, uh, that will lead us into our main event, which is yes, a match I could see a thousand more times too. Uh, El Ijo del Vikingo one on one against Commander. I can't say it right now. I know Ian, Rick, and Bonnie, and some other people have been saying it a little bit more correctly, and I can't. It's like the different way at the end. I don't know. We're good. Okay. So, this was the main event I really wanted to see. I was right there with you. I felt this was the face versus face athletic affair where both will show off for the crowd, and that's what it was. It was about respect, it was about athleticism. Um, they even started the match with this huge heartfelt hug. They shook hands, the whole thing. Lucha Libre chants were coming out before the match even started. Um, When it did start, there was a lot of one-upmanship early. There was a lot of reversals where these guys are trying to show off, and another one said, nah, I got your number, bitch. It happened a lot. Rey Mysterio, um, we won't go too far into this, but Rey Mysterio spoke to Vikingo, and several others did too, about slowing down his aerial attacks. And I'm sure at this point, Commander's also had a talk with someone. So, um... Uh, there's been quite a few veterans that I've had a chance to sit down and tell both of them, look, you're worth a ton of money. We know what you're capable of. We're going to use it when we need to. 
But for right now, don't break yourself before you're about to hit the big time. So um, I'm not going to go too far in this match with it, but I will say both the Kingo and Commander slightly were muted. There were t- there, I watch them all the time, and so do you. There were times where top rope, normally there'd be an extra flip or there'd be a twist, and instead they do just uh, over the... It's like a 90s move where he just goes over the top and it's like a back. Like instead of doing a twist, like it doesn't matter. But the point was, is that they were definitely muted. And I wanted to kind of mention that, that were there were quite a few people who did talk to both of them and say, look, you guys have a lot going for you. Please don't screw it up. Just trying to be fancy on one move. And if you are, do it on a huge stage. Uh, minute four and Vakingo hits uh, multiple bouncing DDTs into a Hurricane Rana and follows it up with a corkscrew press onto Commander, who's standing on the floor. Both Vakingo and Commander are negating using certain flips and using splashes instead. That's what I meant to say. Fans will see it. Others wouldn't know the difference. I'm noticing Vakingo and Commander have a natural rhythm together. They also have a natural emotional depth. They're friends until they aren't. Minute eight, Commander uh, Commander negates walking the ropes and instead hits a missile kick. I hope everyone got to see the early Vikingo and Commander because we're not going to see them the same anymore. That kind of goes back to the muting. What's going on? A lot of hybrid moves and reversals that would evolve into moves that I couldn't call or keep up with. Commander was in control about 60% of the time. And it was kind of nice. He kind of looked over to the crowd. He started a GCW Crane chant into the crowd. Minute 11, Vikingo jumps on top of the cage that's on the stage and has a huge shooting star press onto, onto Commander on the ground. Great catch by Commander, by the way. I'm liking the tough booking between both men. It makes them look like they're tougher than they look. They were taking a lot of serious damage. Sometimes you look at these smaller guys or guys that are flippy-doo, and you think, well, you know, they're just that. You know, you get a good guy, take a, give them a punch, they're going to fall like crazy. No, they really did make each other look stronger, and that was telling more of a story than just this match. They looked much better together, and they lifted each other quite a bit. Um, so minute 13, both men hold on to each other and fuck each other up that's the best way i can put it there was like a minute where they were holding hands this you know but um the ending of this vikingo hits a huge 630 for the win on commander our winner el hingo el hingo el hio del vikingo um just off the top of my head i'd like to see gringo and commander versus psycho clown and vikingo great call gringo gringo great and commander call. versus psycho Clown. i like that tag match yeah that's a good one okay. i like it yeah um both men end the match with hugs and holding up each other's hand it was honestly a feel-good ending for a solid main event that's all my words man what you got on this one man i i'll be honest i love this match so much and i love like their match in ring of honor as you said their chemistry and everything i think this is like going to be like one of those lifelong rivalries i don't know why like oh god wouldn't that be be awesome as a lifelong like they're incredible together and like I said, I love this one. AEW's uh, or Ring of Honor was awesome too. And I like this version of Vikingo's outfit too. And like, I don't like when he has like the flary stuff because like, I just think with all his flips and everything else, it could get caught mm-hmm. in something. Can get in the way. And this one was nice, clean, sleek looking and boom, right to the point where he didn't have all that shit that could like possibly get in the way and injure him. So I don't know. I just really like that outfit and look too. And I just go check it out on Fight TV. Like that was incredible. Like I... Don't even really have much of a real. I like I, the one I did like one spot is like my king is always out there looking like he's having so much fun. So is Commander too at the beginning of matches. Like that's what's cool to see. And like my king smile and how like 
much he's been loving working out here at GCW and just in the States in general. And uh, when they were at the top rope and, like, um, Commander usually does his salute before he does, like, his, like, backflip and stuff. Well, Vikingo, like, went for the Spanish fly and did the salute at him. And, like, they did the Spanish fly. Like, I loved him having fun with that and kind of, like, a little using a stealing of the taunt there to create that rivalry, which I enjoyed. And this was, an, yeah, fun, incredible, great main event. Um, I give it a one out of five. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm just Fortnite. putting it on the Meltzer scale. <laughs> I put it like a... Um, yeah, here's another one where these two have main event quality matches. GCW maybe just needs to keep pushing. All, oh God. They just need to keep doing what they're doing. It's working so well. Yeah. We have some preferences. We have some likes and dislikes and wrestlers like anybody who watches would. So, damn, they're doing a real good job right now. Yeah, I like to say great, great job. And I want to see more of them too. So some memorable moments, eh? Yep. Go on ahead. Yeah, we didn't want to. It is getting late on our side of uh <laughs> on our side of the world here so i i can tell like we start to okay okay we got this also uh my memorable moments first off digging into the center stage history for me was kind of fun so being able to share it with people was kind of fun the idea of a cruiserweight title fuck you all i love it <laughs> uh irie and Radrick match was hard hitting and lighthearted. i was happy to see mike jackson i'm really looking forward to seeing him in vegas if we can see him out here also brian keith the East-West versus Work Horsemen was a very good match. Same thing. I would definitely watch those again. The Work Horsemen were more solid than I thought. It looked really good. cardona Steph DeLander versus Los Macisos match was also entertaining with a ton of Cardona drama. I couldn't imagine having four Cardonas in one wrestling company. But boy, <laughs> would I love to see it, right? See the, the drama queens, you know, do their thing. Uh, it was nice seeing Team Gringo. Thrussy really isn't hitting anymore for me. I don't mean that in a negative, negative, negative. It's just, I think I explained myself. I see two champions in there. And um, the one that isn't a champion is the owner of a fantastic hood slam yeah. that we're going to see out here in um, Las Vegas. So um, they're all very busy and they all have fantastic things going on. So maybe the best way to put it is, I guess we're fortunate to see them do what they do because I hope that they go further. Uh, if they get separated, I'm going to be happy that they're probably separated for positive reasons. So, um, yeah, the King and Commander, great main event. Muted in-ring, just a touch, but still very, very awesome. That is what I have to say, my friend. Yeah. Um, my memory, sorry. I was, uh, I was <laughs> no, you're, you're watching a match, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I was watching the end of it, actually. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> I was watching the end of it. Um, yeah, I uh, center stage. That was cool. The history you gave us was awesome. Like I, like I said, I love the event. I love the way it looks, and um, the action is usually great there too. And I love seeing the new talent they usually bring. Uh, speaking of that talent, seeing Teriyaki um, and Flacco back back in uh, GCW in Atlanta was awesome. Seeing um, Adam Price, Brogan Finley. I want to see that one ran back with a little bit longer and hopefully finish out the match. Like did, like we said, it seemed a little rushed, and hopefully Adam Priest is all right. Uh, Eerie, uh, oh, ah, did it again. Eerie. No, it's good. Eerie. Eerie. There you uh, go. Gets cold was fun. Love seeing like the friendly little match and rivalry. And when it was time to get serious, it did. And, but the fun beginning at the, uh, the fun at the beginning and end was awesome. Uh, Tony Depp and filling in for Joey was a good feeling. I love that matchup. Anyway, that's one matchup I went to see was Tony and Keith and that delivered in that match. And I thought, like I said, at that time, just kind of put the, put the show like on a very good course to the way it's going to end. And, as we see later on, we got some really good matches later. And Brian Keith, um, another good show in a GCW. Mike Jackson, unfortunately, did not whip Blake Christian's ass. So uh, hopefully we'll get to see that at some point. 
Uh, Speedball Zane, awesome. They were a co-main event of the night. Like in my opinion, that was a great match. Um, want to see that ran back just like we want to see the main event. Tag team title match, good job. Uh, East West Express Workhorseman really uh made. I hate to do this pun, but made East West Express work for it. <laughs> I like how that no, was, a, it was a tough, tough match for him. I like how it played out. A dad joke. <laughs> hey, Star Day and the Dead, not still new gimmick. Uh, Cardona <laughs> beating Los Macisos. Like I said, uh, Cardona, I think there's some bigger things that could be done with him, and hopefully it'll be done. And I like where it's going back to Nick Age and setting up something possibly big here soon. Uh, team Thrusty against uh, Team Gringo. Love seeing all the Team Gringo, and this was a fun, entertaining match. Perfect right before this, like as you said, the serious main event by Kingo Commander. Just go check it out. Awesome, great, yes, great rivalry. Hopefully, and we get to see it happen and start and evolve in GCW. Already, we we did that. We did that. It's been a while, <laughs> and it's nice to do it again. Yes, thank you everybody for hanging in with us, man. It was just adult stuff going on, and um, this I don't, I don't think we've ever taken a break like no, that. We've never taken. So it's really it's nice off, to get yeah. back and. Well then, and here comes summer, everyone. So um, you've heard it from the man himself that um, we're going to be doing some improvements here coming up, and I'm actually excited for that. It could be fun. We're we're one or two steps at most, like yep. a couple buttons pushed, and we're good to go. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's. I think I like the improvements, and uh, we will be catching up too during the summer. I think. Uh, uh, let me count how many shows I think we're behind after this one. We are... Speak up just a little, because I don't know if I'm hearing you. No, Sorry. there you go, brother. Uh, if we are one, two, three, after Vegas, four, five, we're going to be like five shows behind, but as we said, summer's coming up. And uh... Well, we review. So w- since you're reviewing, you're never behind. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you're re- no, um, like the next two shows, that's from last weekend, right? Um, No, that is from two weekends ago in Florida. Because... We can maybe put those together as like a two two quicker style. We yeah. don't tear everything down as much. We can do two quicker styles and then yeah, we could do put our normal convo in there. You know, yeah, Florida and New York together, then Detroit, Ohio together. Then we got the Vegas, the two shows. We Holy can put shit. together too. Yeah, and then after that we get a week off. Yeah, and then after that's a TOS. Nice. That might be a good idea because then. Uh, yeah, either that or we just do mini ones however time huh. we get along. Like That three will be perfect timing out. right before TOS, and uh, we could do like a cool little maybe TOS prediction. Hopefully they pull out like a little bracket. That'd be cool. I, I think a bracket. Oh, I it love me brackets. And yeah, then you start like fantasy booking the matchups and stuff like that. Like, I, I just really hope they do that. I don't know if they did that last year or not. Um, I can't remember, but that's something I would really be looking uh, looking forward to. I don't to. think I'll ever get. I don't think I'll ever get a bracket that good again. Oh. One, one one screw up. I yeah, mean, it does. <laughs> was that TOS or NGI? Oh, was, that was NGI, wasn't it? I don't know. You did. You did good on both of them, I think. Well, it's just when we watch this enough, you yeah. kind of get the gist of everything they're trying to portray to you during the matches, and you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, but surprises that are always make it fun too. But yeah, so uh, plan for yeah. the future, and as always, things might change. Uh, just like cards subject to change here on the GC. That's ah, all good. Guess. We're gonna do it. <laughs> We're going to do it. We got this. Yes. It's easy peasy. That's why I was telling what's his name. I can't remember who I go. We're just going to have to rip the bandaid off and just do it. That's just how it's going to work. We're going to have to take a breath and just go. All right, here it is. Yeah. Every time we've done that, it's worked. Yeah. Every time we've done that, it's succeeded. We got this. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's, Let's do it. Right them out here. All right. Long. Long. Wow. That was good. Live. G. G. C. W. W. Good night, folks. Wow, yeah.